0: Blog Talk Radio
1: topics in between. Live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Sean McCain.
2: Good evening, everybody. I'm your host, Sean McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show was created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow me on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. The call in number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the Paranormal and Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I'd like to thank Tucker Smallwood for his intro to the show. We really, really, really appreciate you, Tucker. And during the show, I can take uh, your questions in, order in chat, and you may call in with your questions to a call-in number. Again, it's 619-924-9744. You may also speak with our guest tonight. Any buzzkillers and chatter on the phone will be very ceremoniously kicked out. I have your information, and I will call you back and bug you like you're bugging me. So please play nice and don't bug me. Anyway, now our guest for next week is uh, Martha Hazard Decker, and she is author of the book, The Paranormal Profiler. Ms. Decker is involved in investigating paranormal activity since 1999, and as a child, she experienced a number of unexplained occurrences that triggered her long-time interest in the unknown. She retired in 2007 from law enforcement as assistant police chief and negotiator and detective instructor. And then she, after that, that, she founded the East Texas Paranormal. And East Texas Paranormal often investigates private homes and businesses. And Decker is going to share her experiences with us as uh, investigating her criminality and, and the civil law and also as a writer and photographer. And she has the, her book, the, Prof- the Paranormal Profile, is about, you know, asking questioning people that are uh, saying they have paranormal experiences and events, and she has a forensic way of going about questioning, and she should be very, very interesting. And then September 20th in Culver City, Ciro International presents Grant Cameron as our speaker. I have interviewed Grant, and he has much information to share, and he's on the cutting edge of new ideas and futuristic research. The door opens at 6.30 uh, p.m. and starts at 7, and it's at 10.30 p.m. Afterwards, everybody goes down to Denny's and talks at 3 in the morning, so it's a lot of fun, and that's at the Veterans Memorial Complex, 4117 Overland Avenue in Culver City, California, that is at the 90230, and it's next to Sony Studios, you can get more information at www. ZeroInternational.com is fifteen bucks at the door, and at this point, I want to welcome tonight's co-host Adrian Rednick, and I want to welcome you to the show, Adrian. You're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred.
3: Hi, Shar. How are you doing?
2: Very good. How are you doing?
3: Good. A little bit under the weather, as you know, but uh, um, I'm hanging in there. I'm, I'm, I got the energy from the topic of the show, ghosts and things like that, so it got me all energized I though so. I know
2: um you know we're uh I'll tell you a little bit about uh, Bill Dean um he was one in
0: 56
2: in Baltimore, Maryland and uh they moved into a little community called Harrendale. and I did a little background check about this uh place uh in Maryland and they have like these interesting homes where there are a lot of them really look alike and and then, um, they look like regular houses, and not necessarily haunted houses, and they're kind of modern for the forties and fifties. you know, mm-hmm. but then before that, there's a lot of uh and that whole area is intense It goes back uh, pre-civil War in that area, wow. so it's very interesting and um interesting research. So I'm going to actually call in our guests okay, okay. Hey, I'll take just a little minute. Now, he has been traveling, and... uh,
3: What time zone is he in?
2: He's actually... uh, I think there's a three-hour difference, I think. I think he's in Tennessee right now. Okay, let me call him. Okay. We'll just see... Hi, Bill. This is Charlene. You're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred.
4: Hi, Charlene. Thank you so much for having me on.
2: Oh, we're really, really excited to have you on, and I want to introduce you to my co-host for for tonight. Hi, Bill.
3: Bill. My name is Adrian Rudnick. Pleasure to meet you. Oh, it's my pleasure,
4: and I thank you both for having me on, and I'm very much uh, looking forward to it.
3: Yeah, we're we're very,
2: very welcome. Um, I became interested in you because I saw, uh, actually... Something, I think I was watching YouTube and I ran across one of your shows and you were being interviewed and things like that. And uh, very interesting. And I also did um, some uh, background check uh, in the, even the neighborhood that you moved into that house. And that goes back to pre-Civil War. A lot of things were oh, going yeah. on even before you moved in over there.
4: Absolutely. you know And people are still having problems to this day. Uh, I still get calls for... Uh, for blessings and deliverances in some of the homes in that area. So uh, it's still very much active.
2: Now, um, Bill, uh, you were born... Bill, I'm going to give you a little bit of your bio for our listeners. Sure. Uh, you were born uh, William John Dean, and you were born in sixty six in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, you actually have a sister and a brother.
4: Correct, yeah.
2: Two siblings. And um, you moved into this house. Now, this, is, I've seen pictures of the house, and I have posted it on this show page. And it looks just like a regular house to me.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. Yeah, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, even and I was four, when we moved into the house. And uh, right from the very beginning, I felt uneasy about it. I had a, a, a frightened feeling about it. My sister said she felt the same way. She was 13 at the time. And the house just had a very ominous uh, look and, and feel about it. Now, when we first moved in, it was semi-dilapidated. My dad, who's a master carpenter, did a great deal of work on it, and uh, he, he restored it and really made it look uh, presentable.
2: It does. There's a whole community of... It looks just it's like Okay, it's a Glen Burnie, uh area of Maryland... And this little yeah. community is uh the Harondale. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it.
4: but um, Yeah, Harrendale. You're right.
2: Harrendale. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, there's actually, I actually got a hold of a neighbor of yours, that I spoke with her because she did an excellent write-up on your book. Tell our audience the name of your book. So you have two books out.
4: Oh, really? So she, she did a write-up. Isn't that interesting?
2: Yeah. I know. It's oh, excellent. Wow. So. I don't know if you've read it, but... Uh, I haven't, no. Her name is... I, I wasn't think even aware her of this. Yeah, her name is Tanji. Do
4: you recognize Oh, okay. Name? Yeah, uh, Tanji Wilson? Yes. hmm yes.
2: She wrote an excellent uh, uh, book, uh, review on your book, and she actually substantiates uh, some of the things that you were talking about.
4: Yeah, and and Tanji's a great lady, and I wasn't even aware that, that she did that. But uh, I could produce a long line of people, so I'm not just one man that's relaying a story. I could produce right. a long line of people that have had experiences in the house or experiences, uh, you know, paranormal, supernatural experiences with me at various points over the years.
2: Well, uh, when you moved in in 1970,
4: right? Mm-hmm, correct.
2: Okay, so do you want to give us, a, uh, you know, how how the thing started and uh, what happened when after you moved in?
4: Absolutely. And, you know, I've written three books about this. My first book is called Dark Forest, and in Dark Forest, I said it all began in 1970. when my family and I moved into a three-bedroom ranch-style home located in Glenbury, Maryland in a community called Herondale, and um, my uh my mom was the first to have an experience and again, I was four years old when we moved in and um my parents had gotten married in fifty six My sister was born in fifty seven I wasn't born until sixty six you know and all by all accounts, they were happy and and you know they seemed to be okay but um it wasn't long after moving into the house that phenomena began to take place paranormal supernatural phenomena. My mom was the first to have an experience, and it took place uh, while she was unpacking and organi- organizing in the living room. And my dad, William Senior, had taken us—my brother uh, Bobby and, and older sister Patty—with uh, him for the day to uh, my grandparents' house to allow my mother to unpack and organize in what she felt would be peace. And it was during the course of this that she uh, she felt the presence, and um, she thought, in her mind, that it was my dad speaking into the house to play a joke on her. But uh, she spun around fully anticipating on seeing him, and her shock and surprise nothing was there. So that's where it began, you know, with this feeling of presence, and she was unnerved and and startled by this and perplexed and uh, was eventually able to go back to doing what she was doing, and then uh, one of the bedroom doors slammed shut by itself, and that was enough to make her go outside and wait until we returned. So, you know, again, that's that's where it began. Uh, and it gradually escalated into uh, violent physical attacks on us from these demonic entities, and it greatly contributed to the destruction of my family.
2: Oh, my God. What do you think was a contributing factor? I do know the uh, background in this, but I want everybody to get the book so you can actually find out the whole story for yourself. Um, but your, your dad had a drinking issue, and, and there was violence in the home.
4: Yes. And, you know, he had developed this as a result of the uh, the phenomenon that was taking place. And, you know, both of my parents were social drinkers. And mm-hmm. in the beginning, they had, you know, parties and gatherings and things of that nature. And then it wasn't long after, you know, moving in there and, and uh, the events began to escalate that my dad, who was a very uh, rugged individual, man's man, you know, not afraid of anyone or anything, uh, hard as nose, uh, you know, hard as nails type of contractor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he be, he never uh, admitted this to us. He did admit it to um, my mother's mother that uh, that he was having uh, seeing apparitions and, and hearing voices and things of that nature. And I really think that uh, my dad, who was used to being in control of every situation, suddenly found himself uh, in a situation that he could not control. And I think that it really led to him. Sort of escaping reality by uh, you know by drinking and through this alcohol abuse and while under the influence of alcohol, I have no doubt that these demonic forces were able to really manipulate him into doing some pretty horrific things.
2: Did you want to tell us about that, or?
4: Sure. Um, you know this is this is very painful stuff and very traumatic stuff and it's uh, very sad because my dad was a very good uh good man my parents both my parents were good people my my dad was a master carpenter had his own contracting business my mother was a homemaker and my dad uh again i feel that that he was under attack from the beginning my sister was the first to leave she ran away in the middle of the night 1973 married a young man in the neighborhood and, and she stated in the uh a haunting episode that she wouldn't marry anyone just to get out of there you know she she couldn't take it anymore so she uh after she left it seemed to really uh weaken the family unit and that's when things really started to go south with my dad he uh began to drink very heavily this led to uh many arguments between him and my mother and um eventually i'm sorry to say he began to physically abuse my mother on a regular basis between 1973 and 1975, nearly killed her on several occasions. I can recall being eight years old, having to run to a neighbor's house to get the police call on my dad. Um, and based on what I saw, I have no doubt that these demonic forces uh, were very prevalent and really fueled his rage and anger towards my mother while he was under the influence of alcohol.
2: I agree. You know, I actually grew up much the same way you did. There was a lot of I'm violence sorry, in the home. And, yeah, and uh, I really identified with your story when I was reading it. And I do feel, you know, they, they don't call uh, alcohol the spirits for nothing.
4: Exactly. You're exactly right. And when we're under the influence of alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be, our defenses come down. And, uh, you know, we leave ourselves uh, open and we're vulnerable to uh demons to come in and, and help steer the bus.
2: Yeah, it, does, it opens the door, actually, yeah. and it actually leads to, even though the other family members aren't drinking, it, this is almost like a door is open because of all the negativity, I think.
4: No question about violence. it, you're exactly right. Yeah,
2: yeah, and the violence and the carelessness, you know, exactly. Because, you know, my dad, God bless his soul, but... He uh, did put my mother in the hospital because he, drove, he yeah. hit her in the head so hard she had rollers in her hair. And uh, she never told anybody, and I know she defended my father, but he drove a bobby pin right uh-huh. in her head. He hit her so hard in the head.
4: And, if you know, back then, that's how it was. You know, the uh, the, the battered wife would not go and report the husband or whatever, and, and you know, these things went on and were very uh, prominent and prevalent. For a period there in the seventies, certainly in that neighborhood, this was such a small community, but yet it was a very high rate of crime, and it was a lot of domestic uh, violence and a lot of violent uh, crimes, robberies, murders, all these types of things in this uh, very small area.
3: Bill, I have a question. Go ahead. Two things. Uh, Please feel free to share some of the book, as your 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 seminal book, Dark Forest. um, for some people that might be listening, they've never heard of it. Maybe a few examples will will give them some insight as to why this book is so important. Also, I guess a corollary question you might be you can answer as you're um, giving some examples: Do these demonic forces what do they get out of the chaos? Is it energy they feed off of? I mean, what do they get out what, of? What you're what do they exactly want?
4: right. Uh, what the end game, ultimate uh, goal is the destruction of man you know these things come to kill rob and destroy that is the agenda that is the goal and if they could get the uh, not only destroy the the victim the person that they're working on but they would love for the victim to destroy others or they'd love to be able to destroy others in the process and that's what the mo is that's what the agenda is and that's what the bottom line is and yeah, you know as far the, as events yeah. i'm sorry sure go ahead
2: no go, no, go ahead with what you are saying.
4: No, no, no. Uh, I'll come in behind you.
2: Okay. <laughs> Cause I want to hear, <laughs> like, uh, everything, really. But I was just thinking about how vulnerable our mothers were and that, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, the women just followed the men.
0: So yeah. the man
2: was more of like a father image to the women. And so he felt that she was property, too.
4: Yeah, and 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 it's very sad sad that things like that happen.
2: It's sad, and I hope that it changes. But not all all over the world it hasn't changed. But um, you know,
4: I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, when people are under the influence of alcohol like that, it is uh, spirits, literally spirits that come on to a person. And I've seen it many times over the course of my lifetime of of how these um, demonic spirits can change a person through consumption of alcohol or or drugs as well
3: where do they come from i mean are they humans who became bad or were they always like that i guess uh i mean some some people i'd I'd love to know your view on that also and is that because there's a distinction between a spirit and a ghost do you make that distinction and is that what they are i mean where do these things come from in your given your experience
4: now biblically speaking and, you know, I'm an ordained minister now, non-denominational ordained uh, deliverance minister, so I've studied uh, the Bible extensively and, and uh, ancient religion, ancient history, and many other things. Biblically speaking, uh, when God, Yahweh, cast Satan and a third of the angels out of heaven, uh, he cast them down to here, and they uh, some of those angels took human women And they, uh, you know, had children with these human women, which produced this hybrid offspring called the Nephilim. And that is where the demonic problems began. And uh, it was said that these these beings could not be sustained. So uh, these were giants, and men were trying to feed them, and they could not sustain their appetites. So they began to eat men as well and this is why god caused the great flood to get rid of this uh, satanic seed line the nephilim and so i really believe that's where this demonic phenomena and demonic problem stems from the nephilim
3: do they try body possession i mean if i could show when my uh, brief experience I had, I'd love to know your interpretation of that, given your vast experience. Um, I had an experience where, you know, it was, uh, I was a sophomore in high school. This was back in the early 80s. I got up in the morning. It was about 7.30, roughly, and um, went to go to the restroom to do my thing, but um, my father was in there, so I went back to bed, just sat on the bed, like, okay, I guess I'll wait. I felt a cold chill. I guess what they call cold spots now, right? Yeah, um, and, but it felt like like there was a wind in the room. Like, how can there be wind in the room? You know, and it felt like an odd call. Like, okay, whatever. And then as I lay down, all of a sudden I felt like something went inside through my chest, as if it was trying to pull me out. And then I heard a voice whisper in my ear, going, had, like, a, you know, I want your body. And I heard that oh, once. Wow. Then I saw a flash of a grave, and it was trying to pull me out. The the way I fought it off was. I, instead of so I used sort of a dualistic approach. Instead of fighting it, I sort of embraced it and kept calm. Yeah. I realized the more I f- fear I had, and the more I tried to emotional I got, the stronger it got. So I did everything in reverse, and eventually just let me go. Um, what is your take yeah, on that? Was see, that a demon, or what was that, that?
4: Sure, sounds like it. And these, you know, they feed on fear. You know, these entities feed on fear and all the negative emotions that come with that, whether that's anger or confusion, you know, Satan is the author of confusion. So wherever there's uh, confusion, fear, anger, you know, uh, depression, bitterness, all these negative emotions, the enemy feeds off of these things. So you um, Can they you really try
3: to take a person's soul out of their body? I mean, that's what it was... Tra-
4: no question about it. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to destroy people. They're trying to um, cut people off from God. So if they can do that, mm-hmm. believe me, they will.
3: Because I felt like as all of a sudden I closed my eyes like I was in this dark area, and I felt as if my, my soul was being pulled out, you know. And That's so, horrible. Praise so God, God that you, uh, you made it, it through is, that. Okay. Is that how they made like your father or other people by kind of partially taking over from your experience? I mean, is that what it was trying to do with me or, and other people?
4: Oh, exactly. And again, when, when people are in these emotional states, of uh, these negative emotional states, then these types of forces and entities can come in. And boy, they can just have a field day. And that's what happens. You know, they come, I call it a spiritual virus. They, uh, they infiltrate covertly into a family in a situation where there may be some sort of problem or chaotic event or a traumatic event or whatever it may be. And then that dimensional doorway opens right up and literally it's like a doorway that just comes out of nowhere and just opens up, and they can come right through, and that's it. Then they go to work. And it's all very covert. It's, you know, the enemy and his minions do not come to people, to their face, and say they're, you know, they're going to destroy the person. It's a very subtle and covert thing.
2: So besides the, it is, and it's it's such a, I heard such an odd story recently, but I've heard it. I work with, uh, um, on people that are in the federal uh, prison system. And I heard a story, uh, a few stories, about um, prisons uh, being haunted and actually people being in solitary, and they've seen some very bizarre things. I can Uh,
0: believe
2: that. Like, let's say Latuna uh, Prison in solitary, and uh, very bizarre and mystical things were going on down there, and I've heard all the stories about it. And then recently, uh, a friend was telling me, you know, he looked real good. And I said, well, what's, what's going on with you? And he said, you know, I got sober. I said, well, what happened? He said, I had a dream that there was a warning from God that because, I, you know, I've been drinking that I am opening myself up to the devil. And they said, in the dream, it says, stop now. And he stopped.
4: Praise God, I'm amazing. glad to hear that.
2: I know, it was it was so amazing and beautiful because he looked great, you know. I I'm actually very, know very happy to hear that. About
4: and, you. And, and I've seen, you know, people's lives destroyed from drinking yeah. and, and drugs, and it's just horrific. It is just this, it's like a parasitic type of thing that just eats away at a person yeah. until they don't have any more control, and then they've just totally given up now once a person totally gives up, that's it, and demonic possession can absolutely come after that.
2: You know, it's frightening that uh I know that there's things lurking all the time because you can feel it. Anybody with their instincts intact can feel it, either coming from people or a place or anything else, but
0: if you, you are aren't
2: spiritually that. yeah, if you're not spiritually fit, you're in trouble. You know, you because are exactly things could happen. Right. Right, and uh, you actually, okay, about your story, you actually didn't come out until like 2002 where you are on a, like a local radio show. What made you come out? Yeah, it
4: was well, for many years I wanted to tell the story, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, as this abuse continued from my dad, and I have to say, I'm sorry to say this, that I developed a burning hatred towards him, and I absolutely hate him for many, many years, and I'm uh, happy to tell you that I was able to forgive him before his untimely death. You know, most of my family is gone now. And so I was very thankful to be able to forgive him before he was, he was shot to death in 1987. And uh, oh. so I, uh, I wanted to tell the story for many, many years, but what held me back from speaking about it was my perception that I was uneducated because my dad left us in 1975. When he left us, he left us in such a horrible financial way that um, you know we had to go on welfare. And my mom was very ill the entire time we lived in the house. She had high blood pressure, which, which led to a series of strokes, which ultimately led to kidney failure. She couldn't work, and we had to go on welfare. And let me tell you, that was uh, just a brutal experience, just barely getting by each and every day. It was, it was a horrible, horrible. My mother was so embarrassed and ashamed. And um, after he left, my mother now the whole while you know this paranormal supernatural activity is taking place and uh... after my dad left my mother came under regular physical attack from two entities in particular and they were coming to her bed uh... my mother had cuts and scratches and bruises on her long after my dad had left and uh... they were they were coming to her bed and waking her up by choking her and uh... and other things you know my mother uh it got it got to the point where she couldn 't sleep in her bed anymore. She had to uh, sleep in with my brother and i and uh one night um, after one of these attacks, my mother was gasping for air. She gets up out of bed she 's going to go up to the hall uh, up the hallway to the kitchen to get water and she goes into the kitchen and she opens up the uh, cupboard door and an unseen force shot one of the glasses out like a projectile, and it struck her above the eye, um, busted her eye open, it knocked her unconscious, and she had to be taken to the hospital to get stitches and everything, and this is the type of abuse that we suffered on a regular basis.
2: It's just terrible, and also, it, the, whatever it was, was also attacking your, your pets.
4: That's correct, yeah. I mean, we have many pets over the years, dogs mostly, and... Um, they were greatly adversely affected by these demonic forces and some you know had gone insane others were uh you know had, had been killed or died and then and one just disappeared and was never seen again but yet um remnants uh of the the, the dog you know were found the next day you know just gobs and gobs and hunks of uh, black dog hair
2: oh my god so what do you mean by going insane for the the animals? Um
4: uh, some of the 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 uh the dogs, you know, would would be fine brought into the home and everything was fine and then not long after they would literally go insane and uh it happened a couple of occasions and uh, it was sad, very very sad because my mother my mother loved um collies. Yeah. And uh this happened to uh I believe one of the colleagues and, and my mother also like German shepherds, and I think it happened to one of the German shepherds to where the, do- the dogs just suddenly went mad. They they went insane.
3: I find that fascinating because you always hear about he- things happening to people and then maybe animals recognizing that there's a paranormal presence. But, no I mean, question about I'm not it. Insensitive you know, things, it. Um, fascinating in the insensitive sense. I mean, oh, yeah. But it's like, well, so they do actually attack. The owners' pets too. I didn't know that.
4: Yeah, and animals hear and see things that that we can't, you know, and and so they're they're very uh, their perception of these things is is much better and much deeper and higher than ours.
3: Now, yeah, freaks me out when I see my cat looking around, and I saw my cat sometimes staring at something. I wish I knew what my cat was staring at, and that's just yeah, kind
4: of very deceptive. Well, I can tell you that, um, you know, as this progressed, uh, we ended up getting a priest involved. And my family and I are not Catholic, but my step-grandfather was. And he uh, went to his church, and they sent a priest out. And the priest was involved for the last 16 months that we lived there. And it just, uh, you know, as time went on, and event after event after event, we, you know, we've gotten to the point to where we were, expecting these things to happen because it it happened daytime, nighttime. There was no set times or patterns for these things to happen. And uh, very much, I guess, been resigned to the fact that we were just totally defeated mentally, spiritually, and physically. And and with the involvement of the priest, uh, which I I give the church a lot of credit, and the priest as well, I'm very grateful to to, uh, them for his help. But, you know, the, the activity just continued to intensify. Uh, as time went by. And um, my mom ended up meeting another man, I think it was towards the end of 1978, and uh, he was very much like my dad, you know, rugged man's man, former boxer, um, hard-nosed individual, but was terrified to be in the house, and he had been attacked on many occasions as well, you know, while being in the house, it was only his love for my mother that kept him there. But you know, again, That's this is amazing. a man that you're nothing or no one, and he was being physically attacked in the house.
2: So, what? Uh, so, what uh, ended this whole thing? Um, how did you? How did the priest came in? Did it? It didn't stop the activity. So correct,
4: yeah. The, unfortunately, the, it had uh, you know intensified. And uh, what happened was, we woke up uh, one morning in 1980. I think it was December 1980 the pungent odor of burning wires and every electrical appliance in the house had burned up suddenly at the same time. And, um, my mother also found one of the pets. I think it was my brother had a pet guinea pig and she found that dead in the cage. And, um, it was enough for her to finally, you know, these things had us under demonic oppression, each and every one of us at various times while living there. And, um, you know, on that day, I think it was finally enough, um, for my mother to see that this was really escalating to where someone was probably going to end up killed you know, out of this. and So we ended up leaving, and uh, the, the most frequently asked question is, why did you stay so long? Well, we stayed because my mother was so embarrassed and ashamed by all this. She was a very proud and private woman. My uh, grandmother, Dora Harvey, wanted us to come stay with her, but she and my step-grandfather shared a one-bedroom apartment so my mother was not going to be a burden to them and then uh, my mother's sister joyce alt wanted us to come stay with her but she had eight children and a husband and my mother was not going to be a burden to anyone and like i said you know as time went on we we all came under demonic oppression at various times and we all did things that were way out of character and so you know it took something i guess uh momentous like this for the spell to finally be broken for my mother to finally say that, you know, that's it, we're done. So we ended up leaving. We took our uh, personal belongings. We, we left furniture, decor. You know, we, we got out of there very quickly. And we moved in with uh, my mother's boyfriend. And my brother and I thought that we were free from it because we didn't have any experiences at his house. But I had learned from him after a visit with him several years ago that uh, he told me something that I wasn't aware of, that my mother made him promise not to tell us, that she was uh, still experiencing uh, the attacks and the supernatural paranormal phenomena up until the time of her death. So it wasn't long after we moved out of the house that two tragedies occurred. Um, First, my beloved mother Patricia Bean, or actually my beloved grandmother, Dora Harvey, died from a sudden series of heart attacks, and then two months and two days later, My beloved mother, Patricia Bean, died from a cerebral hemorrhage at the age of 44. And I have have no doubt that these demonic entities had a hand in it because we were all under so much stress and pressure, you know, for such a long period of time. And uh, as I previously stated, you know, earlier that we were defeated mentally, spiritually, and physically. So we were just like putty in the hands for these uh, demons to have their way.
3: Do they take – Is it a, can it be a two-step process? I mean, um, like what happened with your mom, once once she exits her body, then do they still attack her afterwards, or is she in a, ended up in a safe realm of sorts? I mean, what do you think happened? Yeah, if they're, if they're, well, I think – If they end up killing you, do they go, good, now you're out of your body, now we can really get you? Do they do that?
4: Well, no, I don't believe that because, uh, you know, I feel that once we uh, – once we leave this earth, I think we were in God's hands then, and I certainly hope and pray that is the case, that he does take us home to heaven, and we don't have to worry about any of that garbage anymore. So, again, the agenda is to kill the person and, and get rid of that person while they're here on earth. And uh, Although it wouldn't surprise me that uh, Satan and his minions, if they tried to steal souls or whatever, I mean, they certainly tried to keep people from God so... In essence, they are um, stealing souls in that way, and this is why it's so important for people to understand that we're in spiritual warfare on a daily basis, whether we know it or not, whether we want to believe it or not. It is true, and uh, now we are in a time like no other, so it is, in my opinion, super important uh, for us to have our personal connection with God.
2: We have to, uh, because there's so many strange things going on. For, this is the way I feel about it. There's so many strange things, and uh, but you always thought, you think it's gotten low, and now it's getting lower and lower. Sometimes I, I feel like there's only a spiritual answer uh, to get safe from all this, because things no have question gotten so worse. You know, it's horrifying. you know. And, but, and then about so at one certain point, you have an Uncle Cliff, That actually introduce you to a higher power. And uh, talk to me about your uncle's influence.
4: Yeah, and that was uh, the turning point in my life because, you know, my parents, they believed in God, but we didn't have any faith-based background, no religious structure, no, we had never attended church as children. We were never baptized or anything like that. And in 1979, my brother wanted to, when my dad left us, he moved to Florida and my Uncle Clifford lived down there. He was a contractor, he still is, down there, devout Christian, and uh, very good influence on my dad. And um, So he moved down to Florida. My brother, who loved my dad unconditionally, wanted to go down there and visit him, and I still very much hated my dad at that point, and I did not want to go. And I ended up going just because of my brother you know, to watch over him, my little brother. So uh, we we went down there, and little did I know that it would turn out to be, you know, the seeds that we planted for where I'm at now. And uh, my uncle shared his faith with me and shared that uh, we could take power and authority over this garbage in the uh, mighty and holy name of Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. And, um, you know, he shared this, and it was very much empower, empowering to me. And little did I know that I would engage in the first battle of my life against these demonic forces after returning home. You know, that very day, uh, returning home, I engaged in spiritual warfare for the first time against these demonic forces. I was 13 years old, it was 1979, and uh, I was with five adults. My mother had just been attacked physically by an unseen force that picked her up in the air and hurled her across her bedroom Landing into her makeup table, she was cut open and uh, scratched and bruised, and something inside of me just snapped, and again, uh, it got to the point with the priest' involvement that he was bringing mason jars full of holy water to the house. so at that point, you know, I grabbed the Bible and a jar of that holy water, and I began to call these things out in the name of Jesus. Now, my mistake, you know, had I known then what I know now, my mistake was. I should have been binding them and casting them out, but I was calling them out, commanding them to show themselves. And boy, I'll tell you, it was like the the house just was like a scene from a horror movie. The house started to vibrate and shake. Things were falling off the walls. Doors were slamming. I was 13 years old. I should have been terrified, but I wasn't. I was enraged. And uh, there were five adults with me, and they were terrified. And, you know, and again, my mom had just been physically attacked. And at one point, in the living room, seven, uh, several feet in front of me, uh, four entities appeared, and they appeared in greenish, yellowish beams of light, and the five adults were standing behind me in the dining room, and uh, one entity, we called it the Undertaker, it had like a, a male entity with black hair, black beard, black suit, very pale, white, chalky, you know, white skin, black eyes. This is one of two entities that were regularly attacking my mother, and actually three. Uh, the second one was had the look of a male, uh, curly red hair, long scar down the left side of his face, clean shaven, chalky white skin, black eyes. The third entity was a female, uh, very sharp facial features, long dark hair, long black gown. And then the fourth entity was what I call the dark force entity, which was a black form with glowing red eyes, and that entity also... Uh, attacked my mother and and her boyfriend, Richard, on several occasions. So we saw them clearly for several seconds, and then they just dissipated. They didn't just simply vanish. They dissipated. And as they were dissipating, all of the chaotic things that were taking place in the house suddenly stopped. Wow. Yeah, I know, huh? So that was the first battle I had. Yeah.
2: Amazing.
4: That was, uh, and you know, looking back on that, that was a test from God. That really was. That was a test from God to see if I could be the man that He has made me to be now. So that was the turning point in my life, and that led me to where I'm at now as a spiritual warrior for God in helping other people to become free from evil.
3: As if you read my mind, because that was a question I had. Is it seems like we we humans will always have to fight them off, I mean, were the good guys making sure this doesn't happen, or is that part of the lesson?
4: Yeah, it's all part of the journey. You know, I mean, uh, I could not be where I'm at now had I not been there, because when I, um, as a matter of fact, I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee right now. I'm I'm very, very tired. I, I've been engaged in spiritual warfare all day. Uh, I performed a, a deliverance um, here in Knoxville all day, and, and God wins again. Praise God. But uh, it does get very tiring because it's a very lengthy process sometimes. And uh, I could not walk into the homes of people if they did not have trust for me. And uh, it, part of trusting me is knowing that I've been there. So I could be the greatest scholar in the world. And if I walk into someone's house, I've never had an experience. How in the world can I relate to that person? And can that, how can that person relate to me? I, I don't understand it. I haven't been there. So, you know, having been down all these long, dark, and hard roads, uh, people do understand that. They know I've been there, so therefore it's an automatic trust. And then once the trust is established, then we can go from there in helping the person to become uh, free from this garbage.
2: Well, how uh, can you tell us about any of your cases uh, of deliverance from, or what's happened to them? Uh, do, you, do you find out the the causes and conditions of what's going on with these people?
4: Uh, I sure do, and it's a very extensive and lengthy thing, and I've been doing this now since 2009, and um, it's something that I never thought that I would be doing because, and I I have to go back to something that you guys asked me earlier, why it took so long to relay the story and to present it, because I always felt intellectually intellectually inadequate because uh, after the those deaths, the passing of my grandmother and mother, I, I lied about my age and I quit school in the eighth grade and I went to work for a construction company. I had to grow up really fast and I became a man very quickly, you know, working in, in a man's world there, a very tough job. And um, so for many, many years, I felt intellectually inadequate that I was just could not present the story in the right way. There was no way I could ever write a book because I was dumb, and all these things, you know, and and that really held me back for many, many years, but as God began this transformation process in my life, I had an epiphany one day after making many mistakes over the course of my life. I, I had an epiphany that I could do better, I could be better, and I was going to. So I started deep studies of many different things, and it really broadened my intellect. Knowledge is power, and so as I began these studies, you know, I started to develop the confidence and in developing the confidence that I was, uh, now a very intelligent man. And I thank God and praise God for that. Uh, I felt confident in presenting the story. So that's exactly how it went and the way it went. And, um, with the, uh, deliverance minister aspect of things, I wasn't truly free from all of this stuff until 2008. And, um, that's when my wife and I got baptized, we decided to make God first in our life, and that's when our life just totally changed, and uh, these abundant blessings came, but along with the abundant blessings came a calling, because uh, my story aired on the Discovery Channel September seventh, two 2006, on the A Haunting series, and it's one of the most watched programs in the history of that series, and still is, I mean, they're still showing it, uh, but After that came out, I was contacted by many, many people from around the world, and a lot of these people had problems, and I would refer them to people that I knew that I thought could help them, and then God put that calling on me that I could do more, that I could actually help these people, that he would work for me to help them, and I resisted that calling for quite a while until I couldn't resist it any longer, and then once I um, became an ordained minister, uh then again I had the confidence to go and, and help these people and it's just been an amazing journey ever since and each case is different but yet has the same MO uh in how the enemy operates and it's divide and conquer. It's always divide and conquer and bully yeah. tactics in each and every case. And uh I if I were to list I mean I, I've I've been involved in hundreds of these cases since two thousand nine. Each and every day my um my uh, cell phone is full of messages. My uh, text messages, on there, voice messages. My emails are bursting with messages from people from all over the place. Uh, I fly all over the country helping the, uh, these people to become free. I perform these deliverances and exorcisms for people, and uh, it's just been an amazing, amazing journey, and it continues.
3: Are pregnant women... T- targets given their emotional state and that there's actually two souls that that are mm. can be
4: Yeah, I well, I I don't know about the two souls. I I, I don't understand that, but uh yeah,
3: people can the be child, the child in there is a separate soul. Oh, uh,
4: I see. So that, okay, yeah. I mean.
3: You have the mother soul yeah. and the child that's inside the mother.
4: Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um I uh I deal with people what? Who have um, some have unfortunately uh, been through sexual abuse, molestations, you know, rapes. Uh, people that have had these awful, horrible, traumatic events take place in their lives, and this is how the doorway becomes open for these demons to come onto people. It usually takes something, you know, of that magnitude, or something that opens the door for them to come through, because Satan and his minions deal in legalities. If they feel they have a legal right to mm-hmm. be there, they're going to be there
2: excellent point um you know I had Adrian's where you brought that up because I had a dream of, I have many many spiritual dreams and uh i have had a rapture with the Holy Spirit and things like that and uh so I don't believe I, I know that God is there and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and everything. I know that it's there, but I had a dream one night that uh, it was like the rapture. Everybody was being taken up into the sky, and there was yeah. my daughter who was pregnant at the time. She was being raptured too, with the baby inside of her, and I could tell that the baby was also raptured and, and in glory, going up with her mother.
4: Praise God!
2: That's, I know. I don't that's think that's wonderful. I've ever yeah. That really. You know, brought this up at all because I—it was an interesting question, Adrian. Oh,
4: yeah, absolutely, I mean, it was. It sure was. Because I wish I had the proper answer for it, you know. But I—I I yeah. can't really answer it because I truly don't know, and I wouldn't want to speculate on it.
3: Yeah, I mean, because yeah. women me, go through a lot of being... stuff um, because the hormones and whatever—it's and just it, it can be a difficult time for women. So I oh, no question. Yeah, I mean, it's not, because it's like from from a from those type of spirits that that like to prey on people. It's like good, I can get a two for one sort of deal, you know what I mean?
4: Yeah, oh absolutely. And again, you know, once that doorway's breached and, and, and they come through, they're gonna just feed off of any type of negative uh, emotion or or negative situation and that's how they increase in power. So I have a lot of sayings and one of the sayings I have is you gotta stay in warrior mode twenty four seven. I mean literally um we have to stay uh, battle-ready, because uh, we can't give an inch to the enemy. If we do, it'll take a mile, that's for sure. And uh, we just have to stay in spiritual warfare and, and warrior mode
3: 24-7. How long is this going to continue, you think?
4: Uh, well, I can't think or, or speak for God, but I'll tell you this. Just looking at the situation... And based on my case files from last year to this year, uh, which have doubled, um, something is really, really uh, going on here to increase these demonic attacks. And maybe the next time you have me back, we'll really go into this. I have my my thoughts on this and my opinions as to what may be uh, contributing to the rise in demonic oppression and possession. And uh, I can't imagine, again, I can't think or speak for God, but I can't imagine that he's going to allow this to go on much longer. And there is going to be um, quite a response from him. And I would not want to be those demons or the humans on this earth that are um, working in conjunction with demonic forces.
2: Yes, there is. Uh, As I said, it's gotten worse. I feel that even the lack of of uhness. The the people just being gentle with each other is is gone. You know, people oh, are extremely rude. The way they're treating children and animals is oh, horrifying. I mean I cry sure almost is. every day over it. I pray over about it too. And I have a home altar. I I'm Greek Orthodox so I, I I'm pretty traditional but on the mm-hmm. other hand, I've had many, many mystical experiences that I, you know, know that this is true. But we have to pray for all of them. They're
4: all. Specific. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree with you.
2: It's sad, you know. I had a. We're in a time few, like but, no other, sure. Yeah, this is bad. It's bad, and the imaginings of people have gotten worse. And uh, sometimes I regret, you know. I have a lot of fun on Facebook, but the things that people yeah. are posting. It's it's uh, actually, it's, it leads somebody to be depressed, and I don't think depression is good either. You know, I think... Oh, certainly not. You know, can. again,
4: this is, this is another negative emotion, and anything that is negative, the enemy will feed off of. So uh, we have to stay a warrior, we always have to stay positive, and it's easier said than done. You know, we all have problems in life, and I could sit here all night long and tell you that, you know, how blessed I am, which I, I really am, and I praise God for it, but that doesn't mean that I'm perfect. You know, I have problems in my life just like everybody else. We, we all have problems, and it's about keeping it real. You know, I'm a truth seeker. I, um, I seek the truth so I can know the truth, so I can speak the truth, so I can teach the truth. And there is no substitute for the truth. And so I do my best to try and know the truth. It, yeah, it's we very need important.
2: to. When you've got your time, can you just get a hold of me too? When you, because well, you can come on oh, yeah. and we can talk about this another two hours, another eight hours. This is oh, no
4: question about bad. that. Yeah, like I mean we could really get retired. rolling. I it's know. uh, yeah. <laughs> but i I'm really enjoying being on with you guys, and I can't thank you enough for having me on. And I do look forward to the return to where we can really dig into some things. And uh, th- there's a lot of factors here at work that is contributing greatly to this increase in a demonic presence, um, the increase of people being oppressed and possessed. And you're exactly right. Some of these things that uh, people are just, they, they just don't understand. They just become a part of this program, you know, and it really is very much a program to desensitize people and yes, it's so it's a it. mind control program.
2: It is. It's to sensitize you against war. and uh it's also Okay, because people have asked me, how could people do this? And I hate to say this, but I tell them the truth. They enjoy it. You know what I yeah. mean? It's just a lower power that if they didn't enjoy it they wouldn't be doing it.
4: It's, you know, uh, so you know it's a rebelliousness. Yes. And, um, I don't know if they think that it's cool to be that way or whatever, but I mean, we see this through TV programs now and some and, uh movies and, and, um, uh, music. I mean, these people have a real agenda and it is the agenda of the enemy. And the next time you have me on, we'll go through what I believe is a satanic seed line on this planet. And all you have to do is go back to Genesis 3, 13, verse 13 through 15, and, um, You know, God, Yahweh, he says to Adam, Eve, and the serpent, Satan, he says, uh, what have you done with the woman? Because you have done this, I will create enmity, which means hatred, between you and the woman. And I will create enmity between your seed and the woman's seed. He's saying right there, God is saying right there that Satan has a seed line. And a lot more mm-hmm. took place in that garden than a piece of fruit. Eve had sex with Satan in the garden, producing the first offspring of Satan, which was Cain, and that's why he slew his brother Abel. So this stuff is deep, and we'll really dig into it the next time.
2: Yes, it is. So um, where can the, uh, uh, please tell us about your books and where they can uh, find find your books.
4: Okay, and and again, I want to thank both of you for having me on, Char. This has been wonderful, and uh, I I God bless you both, and I can't wait to come back on again. And for anyone out there who would like to get copies of my books, Dark Forest Delivered or the new book, Ten Steps to Victory, please visit www.billbean.net or billbeanministries.com. And uh, for those of you who would like to see me on TV tomorrow night, I will be uh, on the Travel Channel at 10 p.m. on an episode of The Dead Files. And uh, I was the deliverance minister involved in this uh, family's case that took place in Hanover, Pennsylvania. So, again, that will be 10 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night on the Travel Channel's Dead Files.
2: Perfect. Thank you so much. And uh, we're going to continue with the show tonight and our discussion. And, Bill, it's been awesome getting to know you. And uh, come on anytime, and just message me when you're ready because we'd well, really love to have you on. I'm, yeah, I'm booking, like, for in October. so That would uh, be so awesome. And,
4: and next time we'll do it for two hours and we'll really That'd dig into, well. some, uh, you know, so a lot of different topics. And uh, I think it'll be a most interesting uh, program for sure.
2: Yes, and uh, they can get a hold of you. uh, Bill has a website, www.billbean.net. And how can people get a hold of you, Bill?
4: Well, once they visit billbean.net, then they can click on the social media, you know, the Facebooks and the Twitters and all that stuff. And uh, so uh, if you visit billbean.net, that is the source to be able to uh, contact me and connect with me through all the social media.
2: I right, thank you so much for your interview tonight. God bless you, and God bless oh, your Oh, thank you, Shar. God
4: bless you as well, and both of you, and I, I really have thank enjoyed you. this.
2: Take care. God bless you. Take care, Bill. Bye-bye.
4: Good night, guys. God bless.
2: Good night. God bless. Bye-bye. So, you know, Adrian, this is such an intense topic. Um, it
3: is. I mean, no matter what perspective we have, I mean, whether from a Christian perspective or whatever, we can all agree that there is these sort of um, entities that, for whatever reason, they attack us. And he's yeah, had a lot of experience. And, uh, I mean, it's can sort I of a, his interest you know,
2: is... Uh, let, um, let me, uh, excuse me oh, for one ahead. second. a number tonight is 619-924-9744. And uh, I'm speaking now with... Uh, Adrian Rudnick, uh, we've had a, a lot of our own experiences and everything else. And I understand something that Bill actually saw UFO. But I, was, well, I didn't he want to get saw into
0: that.
2: He saw Whoa. UFO in his backyard. And so we have a lot more to talk about. So he'll be contacting me and letting me know, you know, when he can come on again because we share be so many similarities. I know.
3: So that's a question I've saved. it. I think you know what I'm not going to ask it. Wait for the next show because I figured one question I have would be like, you no, know, the Ouija board. You know how does know. that well, is that good happens? or bad? What about us trying to communicate with our relatives? Should we do it? Should we not? Given his experience, you know, um,
2: yeah, no, no Ouija
3: board. No Ouija no, board for you. No, have you had no, that Ouija, Ouija board? Experience? <laughs> yes, I have. Oh, I've been detail about the Ouija
2: board. Okay, so. I was a teenager, meaning when I was a teenager, let's say, this happened, I was uh, 15, so that meant my next sister was 14, and my next sister was 13, so all three of us were involved in this, and I think it had, uh, at the time, my mother is a born-again Christian now, and so she attends church three times a week, and she's doing all that, you know, but back in the day, she was more into uh, spiritualism, as was my father's mother. My dad was, I think he had, he believed in God, but he thought the Bible was like a history book, you know, and stuff like that. He, I don't right. think he really thought it was sacred. Uh, actually, I had uh a, a experience with my father uh, three years after he died. He came to me and said he was sorry for all that and my childhood and everything else. And he was young again and he was in heaven. He came from heaven and talked to me. So he was forgiven you know, at some certain point, and that was between him and his higher power, so that's why we, we can't condemn them, I guess, everybody's individual and with their higher power, but going back, I can remember we were in the Dreamland Apartments in Inglewood, California, and so we got three teenagers, and then my, the I was 15, my sister was my 14, the next one 13, and the next one has, was young, so she was five years Uh, younger than uh, my third sister, so I can't do the math. But anyway, so she wasn't involved in any of that. And so we somehow got a hold of a Ouija board. I don't know what started it, but we we started using a Ouija board, and immediately it started moving. And it was actually... Yes, it was, wow. imme- it was immediately moving. One of the we were all doing it. Me and my two sisters, and uh, we were kind of raised up in a, a very strange environment that uh, we didn't have a typical life. Let's put it that way. That uh, let's say on the living room table, you know how people have those beautiful, uh, Cosmo home or stuff like that, or art books. Right. and stuff? We had we had uh, was true detective. You know. Torso Murders uh, on the Scrap. <laughs> that's what we were reading. And and I was then take my mother took me to horror movies since I was <coughs> too late, young, So I had a really uh, traumatic, you know, I always thought they were going to come chop my head off, and so I slept with the blankets over my head and everything. So I had yeah. a very dramatic uh, childhood and a lot of fear. So me and my sisters are doing this Ouija board, and um, there's this little boy I knew. Uh, we left to... Uh, Uh, New York and came here And this little boy liked me His name was Jimi Hendrix And not the Jimi Hendrix But anyway he showed up and said he was dead And everything else You know I know that was all a lie now You know what I mean It it wasn't the truth But I guess it was a way of suckers Sucking us in And so you know we played around with that for a while Then we started this table tipping And uh during us talking, okay, this is why we put down the Ouija board. I just got the vision of my sister number two, and I'm the eldest. My we were doing the Ouija board, asking questions, and all of a sudden, my sister turned white and she took a deep breath, and the sound that came out of her was like an old rasping man.
0: Ooh, something entered her. I was so horrified.
2: Yes, I wow. was so so horrified and guilty. You know what I mean? We we threw it out. We never dealt with it again because the rattle was like a like a horrible old man breathing in, and it was like a death rattle at the same time. It was horrible, and she turned white, and I screamed and started, you know, play, praying, you know, and that uh, we never did a Ouija board again, but then we started doing this table tapping or t- thing or whatever they used to do back in the day, and the table with just our fingers on it would had lifted off the ground, and all of a sudden it was coming towards me. And I remember running to the bathroom, and the table is now with just two people with their fingertips because I let go. It was still, it was still floating, and there were their hands just on the top of the table. They chased me down the hallway. I locked myself in the bathroom, screaming my head off, and the table was just banging into the bathroom door. I mean, this was crazy, you wow. know. But now they're saying. Teenagers have this energy, and don't mess with it, you know. And uh, that's what is happening. I didn't realize that when you get, especially the three teenagers, there's often poltergeist activity and strength stuff, and
3: right, right, you know,
2: things like that.
3: we're going through uh, growing. I guess I, my little theory is probably because we go through growing, pain, growing pains, and so um, maybe some of it is expressed subconsciously. You know, it needs to come out and so you get things moving, especially when we're upset or whatever. I don't know. At least that's my take on it. I mean, one of the questions I will ask, like, UFOs, Ouija, but also shadow beings, like, what are they, you know? And what do
2: well, you think what of it? Okay, yeah, what, okay, I, mean, I
3: got one. I have no idea what well, they are.
2: Okay, so um, when I was, uh, I was born in Boston, but we had moved to New York when I was about three. Um the first three of us were born, and my fourth sister was born here in California. But anyway, we came over, and we ended up living in the poorest part of the valley. My dad was looking for work, but we had no money, and we were really broke. So we ended up living in the projects in Pacoima. And in Pacoima, California, it's poverty. Uh, my dad started drinking very heavily, and he was beating my mother, as we were talking about, uh, put her in the hospital, and he was so violent. You know, we were terrified. As soon as I'd hear, and he would never just open the door like a normal person or whatever. I don't know if he couldn't find his key or work the key in the lock, but he'd come home drunk. And I would wake up my, you know, my little, three little sisters, and I'd take us all to the closet, and I'd pull all the clothes down that were on the hangers on top of us. And that's where I hid. I hid my sisters like a little mother hen. And wow. I would hear the door opening, but I would never peep underneath those clothes. I just felt like if you didn't look, you wouldn't have a, a you wouldn't have a problem. You know what I mean? Right. And it was there, it was there where I had many spiritual experiences too, and uh, I think the combination of the the rage and the anger and the poverty and everything, um, you know, was a It was a very destructive household, you know, but I was actually a really religious kid. You know, I had spiritual experiences already since I was very young, so I knew that God was real, and I never, ever thought God was letting this happen to me. I never felt sorry for myself like that. Hmm. So you never got
3: angry? No, I never,
2: never, never, until, uh, you know, things, things happened, you know, that I talked to you about, you know, a few, several years ago. That's the only time I got mad at God, and it was pretty severe reasons, but I'm not mad at him anymore. When I was a kid, I was a very pretty practical, too, and I had a lot of spirituality going, so I would never think, you know, this is God's fault. I thought it was that person's fault. Like, why are you doing this?
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: You know what I mean? You're not doing, you know, uh, so no matter what happened, I was a, a, a very religious little kid.
3: Yeah. I, have some, I know some uh, friends and relatives of mine who like um, they see shadow beings even during the daytime they'll see oh yeah shadows. the
2: shadow beings, thank you for bringing it up so
3: yeah i mean we um all what, the like, like room, I, right? to that I sometimes I wonder if they're just interdimensional beings, maybe they're not ghosts I mean, what do you think okay, I' still have a lot so of thinking to do about a, uh, what, what do you think they are of,
2: okay there's there's we had we just lived in one room, so uh, we had a two-bedroom upstairs in this uh, in the projects, and uh, my mother had one bedroom. And after my dad left her and she got married, my stepfather they had that room, and then we all four of us slept in this other room. And so there was two beds, so we had two kids to a bed. We go head to foot, you know what I mean? Because that yeah. kids were so close in age, you can't stand each other, you know what I mean? So we just slept head to foot, so we didn't have to at least look at each other. So anybody. <laughs> But' at night, yep.
0: Yep.
2: but at night, we would see and talk about this shadow being. He was very tall and thin, he had a cape on, and he had like a a hat uh with a with a brim kind of reminds me of the way the men in black looked now wow. but I did not call them the men in black back then. What well, we called him was Jasper Lee John, so we call him d j
3: you, you gave him a name because you, you guys saw him so often? We
2: saw him all the time. So he would be standing in the bedroom, and we were talking about a DJ.
3: Oh, that's bizarre.
2: We he's here. Yeah, he's here. And we, so we'd be petrified. But, you know, at the same time, I was being abducted by aliens. So I've never heard my sisters say that they were being abducted, but I was being abducted. They don't oh, so have you any think had that. to do
3: something with aliens in that instance?
2: I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. It was like, to me, a ghost. Or, why do we name him DJ? That's weird.
3: I remember when I was just like a really, really young child. I mean, really young. I don't even remember how old I was, but definitely younger than five. Waking up and just seeing like this gray stuff flying all around the walls, kind of lit up. I mean... Um, were those ghosts, or was that actually part of an, a beginning of abduction experience? And that was, and because that's all I remember. You know what I mean? I mean, did you have things like that when you were young?
2: Um, when uh, I was young, besides DJ, I'm trying to remember. I would actually be uh, a person that they now call clear audience. So I heard.
0: I, I know heard.
2: Yes. So now I have the word for it. But back then I didn't have the word to say but I would actually hear hear people. Yeah, no matter where they were, it didn't matter how far away or what, I would hear conversations of what they were talking about. So I would go walk in the room or anything and act and, and be joining in the conversation. It did startle my mother. You know, because if she was thinking of me or playing a scenario, and I, I need to, I need that kid to get over here. So I have to send her to the store. So I would go up to her. Okay, mom, what do you want from the store? You know, she's just like look at me like she was scared, and she still is kind of scared of me along those lines.
3: Because you know, you, uh, you're you're not scared of the stuff, and she maybe she I mean, is. She, huh? Well,
2: because along with uh, me hearing all this and...
3: Uh, Maybe she sees you as a conduit, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, she knows that sorts. I can actually... It's unnerving to her because I can see through her, you know what I mean?
3: Right, right. It's happened
2: ever since I was a kid, so I actually know, knew her motives, uh, what she was doing all the time and everything else, and she felt it was very unnerving, you know. It didn't mean I love my mother any less, though, because, you know, you kind of worship your mother.
3: Right, of you course. You
2: know, so I still felt that way about her.
3: Right, me too. Know, that
2: I loved her, even yeah. though I knew what was going on with her.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah. do you so feel there like... Was both... Are you less Go scared ahead. now, like, of the forces that we interpret as dark and trying to get her... Do you feel the same? I feel, I feel like I'm a little bit more powerful given some of my experience I have, but still, that doesn't mean I'm arrogant. You still have to be on your game and you still have a lot to learn. That's how I feel. I mean, how do you feel? Do you feel like you've become really spiritually strong as far as dealing with certain kinds of forces?
2: Well, after I had um I had a lot of strange experiences, like so many you know, I do have to start, you know, writing more about I have I have that one book almost done and but I have to start one just on there's so many of these things but um I actually I was, you know, I'm in recovery, and uh, I haven't had a drink in 33 years. Thank God, huh? No, I am already. So imagine the tequila on top of it. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. So, uh, I haven't yeah. smoked in 31 years, so and I don't do drugs. I never did do drugs, even though I'm from that era, the 60s. But I never did drugs. I was scared of them. But um, I've had some, I had an experience when I was only, Let's say this experience happened in nineteen eighty two and uh i had a a a complete i don't know how anybody could you know until it happens to you, you don't even know how deep it is, but I had a complete ego deflation complete uh
3: were you just, was that like you were just extremely humbled? Was that what you're trying to convey?
2: Yes, I was humiliated to my knees. So I actually, in this experience, I dropped to my knees. And uh, all I could think of was, God, you know, I was so destroyed. Anything, I couldn't stand up. I was destroyed to the ground. And I actually lost who I was for a minute there. I didn't know wow. who I was. And uh, I, I didn't know who I was. It not like that. I can't describe it. It would be like anything you ever thought about yourself was gone. Just imagine that. So what are you left with? Nothing. You know, you are just crashed. You're, you're done. So I fell to my knees and I, asked, I told God, all I want to do is your will. And then I had this rapture experience that totally transformed all the devastation and, uh, into love. That I knew that I was uh, uh, truly loved. Right. And I felt the spirit, and I called it the comforter. That's my, the first word that came to my mind was comforter. And uh, then I just got up a uh, new person, I now I knew that, I said, oh, my goodness, everything in the Bible, all the things about the saints and God and Jesus, all, this, all that's real. I was stunned. You know right. what I mean? Shortly after that, I was on an airplane to, Georgia, and I remember looking out the window and thinking, God saw me all the way down there, like you know because then I thought, well, I thought of us as the masses. you know what I mean, How could yeah. God pay attention to each one of us? but you know in the Bible, it says, You know, I count the hairs on your head, I know you're there you're you're better than the sparrows, and he knows all about the sparrows too, so you know, I have always believed in a Creator, but now I knew there was a Creator, and from then on, I felt more protection, Adrian. Wow. I still get scared, I still get scared, you know things scare me, you know i don't like negativity, i don't see things I see very odd stuff just because i 'm actually you know a uFO abductee. so i 'm seeing all kinds of weird stuff all the time you know but it's hard to explain to, to people things. i
3: mean i'm sure you, yeah. you you feel like when you walk, I used to live in a house that was haunted where also where I had a lot of UFO experiences, but in my parents' home um you just feel it. And I remember people, relatives and friends would come over my house and they would say, there's something with your house, something's here. So many people would say that, especially when you go down, down to the downstairs, um, live in a split-level home. And so it looked like it looks first story in the front, but then as you go back, there's actually a second story. It was really weird. So, um, but then you go to the downstairs and everybody, without question, say, there's they don't want to, they never want, nobody ever wanted to stay downstairs at our house. My point is, like, you could just feel it, that there's something you know, in our it's house. There. And after a while, I think in the 90s, it finally cleared. In the late 90s, like, when I was talking to my mom, like, there's nothing here. It's gone, whatever, wow. you know. Yeah. Because um, my mom used to be choked. When he was talking about choking, it reminded me of my mom because my mom used to be choked a lot. Choking. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
3: And so, um, it's hard to explain this, So, like, how do you know? And it's like, it's hard. you do know when you're confronted with them. I'm sure you've experienced when you walk in. It's like you just can tell.
2: Oh, definitely. It's like. Um, I can't see them now, you know, because I did see something. I think it was an. Uh, it was something turning into an angel, but even that scared me. So ever since I, I was, I was angry with my first husband. I was really young. Uh, I was probably 19, 20, and I was uh, sleeping on the couch, and I just, from a sound of and I used to sleep good. So anyway, I was from sound of sleep, I just opened my eyes, and in the middle of the room, there was this gold kind of dust, and it was swirling around, and it was going to turn into something, and I panicked. Oh. You know, I wish I would have stayed, but I panicked, and I ran. I ran back to the bedroom. And uh, I ran around it, believe it or not, because it was still twirling.
0: It was yeah. turning into
2: some lots and lots of uh, the gold, uh, glittering glitter kind of stuff. So and, you saw it uh, moving around. It, yes, it was twirling. It was turning into an uh, entity of some kind.
0: So oh I my took God.
2: off, and uh, I never really have seen anything again except for uh, you know the other stuff that I, I'm seeing, but. Uh, I felt bad because, you know, the angels don't want to hurt you. They don't want to scare you, you know. And if I'm busy saying no because they're trying to manifest in front of me, you know, they're not going to do come if you're afraid, you know. But I do feel a comforting spirit though.
3: So. It's weird. Sometimes I feel like, because um, you hear people talk about guardian spirits or, or whatever, and sometimes I feel like occasionally – Something is watching over me, but yet it's not allowed to interfere too much. Does that make sense? Oh, it? That's like, what I'm um, talking about. I remember, I'd have experiences. I'd have experiences where, um, let's say, I'm supposed to go somewhere, right? And I'm kind of taking a nap. I would all of a sudden hear, a, like, a knock. Like, hey, get up! You know, against the wall. You <laughs> know, like, okay, wow. and I can I could sense, you know, really hard pounding, you know. And I could like, okay, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm not going to be late, you know. And so it happened on a number of occasions where I'd hear this, this knock. Um, no, it's me, Kathy. My wife thought I knocked. <laughs> I knocked at the door because I knocked so hard. <laughs> That's funny. No, nobody here. And so I'd hear that, and it was like, wow, somebody's, something's trying to make sure I'm not late to this, this appointment. I find that interesting. But other times, it's like, okay, I'm on my own. Did you have any kind of experience or was something like I have, you, I you heard got my a name sense that occasionally called. something was watching over yeah, you and letting you know or something? Yeah.
2: Something happened to me this morning, actually, because you noticed that I was up like a bullet out of here by 6 in the morning. That's how, how yeah. I got all that stuff done. So yeah. what happened was I I think I might have been dreaming, but we were out of everything. I just got, you know, I'd get paid the today, and I didn't have anything. We we're eating. I was eating a mayonnaise sandwich. You know, just when you're broke, I was just broke. I had a little gas in the car, but that's it. So my poor dog has been eating what I've been eating. So I heard, yeah. a, a. I think it, because she was sleeping right next to me. We were both sleeping. And I heard this. This is what I heard. Now, this is going to be crazy. I heard a voice talk to me and say, now, you really think this is going to work? Now, the money's in the bank. Get up and go get some dog food. Oh, I my gosh. My dog. So, I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> I heard it loud and clear, and I woke up, so I, got, I jammed out of here so fast. Then I took off like a bullet. Was it go a go male voice or a female voice? No, it almost sounded like me. Wow. I don't, think, I don't know if my dog has a voice, but uh, oh. it was like that. you got to be kidding. Like that. I was wondering if, if animal
3: voices. Yeah, but the, yeah, actually hearing it, something talk to you. Wow.
2: Yeah. It was one time I had a dream. And I'm gonna tell you something so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I had a dream. I I was coming home from work, and I I I, I, I was with my husband. <laughs> and my I had a chariot. I called her the chariot terrorist, and she was a smooth uh, a pedigree fox terrier and she was quite a dog she lived to be 19 but anyway i walked in the door we came home we had been gone out to dinner and uh, we walked in and she greeted us and what she said was she had a voice like Minnie mouse and she said hi char hi phil
3: no way (laughs) wow
2: in my dream i said oh my god can you imagine if she could talk i'd have a dog because you're a terrier yeah, 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 all yeah, the time. Yeah. You'd like, you be talking like Minnie Mouse all the time. When are you going to wow. eat? we are going to eat? Anyway, so this voice, though, was different. Her voice mm-hmm. sounded very determined and calm. And, man, I jammed out of here like a bullet because of it. So I can't say what actually happened, but that's why I was out of here so early this morning. <laughs> that voice wow. said, you, you're kidding me, right? It was like... <laughs>
0: That's so I know. It, yeah, it this, this, to her voice. She's got dry I mean, food.
2: She's got bone. She's got her wet food. I got her stock. I got 20. I've never bought 20 of those little, you know, those little uh, dollar uh, dog food little things, those little trays. Yeah,
3: but, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I bought 20 of those. <laughs> There's nothing like a god talking to you telling you to go get hope. something.
3: Man. I was wondering how my cat would sound if it had a voice. Like, I don't
2: um, know. you probably like uh, go a garble or something. Cats are a little different.
3: I think I actually might have walked through a ghost once. This is at least my interpretation. I mean, it was, um, I haven't even written down here, it was on January 21st, 2011, and um, technically the 22nd because it happened at 2 a.m., okay, so it's January 22nd. But my friend was visiting me from Florida. His wife died passed away not too long before that but um and so i really felt like her spirit was here right before he came over i mean um she was a a smoker and so i remember smelling cigarettes Mm. you know like she's here and i remember I, i would tell my friend like i think your wife's spirit's here and she was doing stuff at his place too um with the computer but um he was visiting here and then um we were talking late to, into the night, and um, we both got a little bit sleepy and decided to go to bed. So as I was walking towards my bedroom behind the couch, which was on the way, I felt as if I walked through like a mystery. You, you know when you walk through the misters, what they have, where, you know, in the garden centers, yeah, yeah. whatever, or, or even at the groceries, you can feel that mist hitting you, right? I felt as if I walked through that, but... Um, i wasn 't wet, and I remember telling my friend i 've walked through something, and I did it twice. I walked around and walked like there 's something here, and I could feel it and then um so I was trying to coax my friend to come back like I think something's here, you try it and he, but he didn 't feel anything, and then i couldn 't feel anything any anymore either. Do you interpret that as i it, to me it felt like there was a spirit or a ghost there, and i, I happened to walk through it. Or do you think it was something else? I mean, what's your take on it?
2: Hmm, it could. Be, That's what it felt to me. I don't know if it's a is there a heaviness in a room or uh, some say a chill factor. Um, I, uh, have it, felt, it, chill I have the chill was
3: going through it. it. felt like a cold, cold, pleasant mist. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Wow. I, I started looking around my clothes and my skin, like okay, I must be there was no wetness on my on my. Person,
2: that never happened to me. Yeah,
3: that's what, yeah, that's so interpreted. I mean, um, I've also had a ghost once where I, um, I was talking, working out, um, I had my wife look over an email that I had to send, and I just wanted to make sure, um, you know, get fresh eyes on it, as it were. It had to deal mm-hmm. um, deal with. Mm-hmm. with it's a long story, but I just wanted to impress, Like, hey, did I, What do you think about what I wrote here? And so she said, "Yeah, just let me look at it. Just step back." And I so "I did. I went back where she was sitting on the couch, and then um, something grabbed. I was thinking, something grabbed me by the shirt.' And it wasn't like a light tug. It was like a really strong tug, and up, where where the front of my shirt went to my throat. And I could feel, you know, um, I could see my whole shirt going up as I was just standing. And um, I've never felt that, and that was just weird. It was as if the spirit was telling me, back off from her. She, you know, because I was kind of hovering over her, standing over her, she was sitting down, and I was really curious. And mm-hmm. this thing, whatever it was, like, you know, back off, leave her alone. Um, I just found that an, an interesting... Interesting, because you hear about things like that. I remember when I watched Ghost Hunters, they had one adventure where that happened with, with someone like that, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Even I had to show the footage, and you see the sh- shirt going a little bit up. My shirt didn't go a little bit up. It went a lot up, you know, a few inches. And um, so well, I knew it wasn't my imagination um, or anything, and then, and just my intuition at that point, I'm like, wow, something's here, <laughs> making sure to leave my wife alone so she could read through the email. Did you have things like worse? <laughs> something well, of that well, nature no, my
2: son my son you has, or, or whatever well, or someone you know they don't bother me my son uh actually sees ghosts and uh he's he's the one that does all that but i guess i got a block on him but you know i've had uh many kind of spiritual experiences where people that are going to die they've come to me and told me i'll be you know i'll be going in 30 days and I want you to do this and that. And then people come to me after they died to tell me so. And uh, I've had a recent experience where somebody's soul came to me and told me a secret of theirs, which I could then go back to them and tell them. I said, so, this just happened uh, Saturday, last Saturday. And when it you did, so profoundly it was true? Justified. It was true because in the dream... Oh, my dream, gosh. It was, I know. So that was bizarre, validated. Dream. It was weird, too, because... Uh, this person has struggled with her belief system and everything. And I just, you know, we just are very good. Well, crying. I would imagine
3: this person probably said, how did you know this?
2: I know How did she you was come across
3: And freak out and she, say, how the I hell did you her, know but, this?
2: Okay, she came to me in her dream, and she was telling me something about self-acceptance. I can't tell you the whole dream. It was just so right, strange. Right,
0: right, right. Anyway.
2: So I told her the dream And she said oh my god She just started crying I started crying And she said it was weird because she was just Talking to her uh, Therapist who was talking about self acceptance To accept yourself Just as you are and that's what She was telling me in the dream That I now accept myself So I told her you're you're well On your way something's different You know what I mean so her soul Was telling me that like I'm I'm, I'm humbled and I'm stunned You know we right. actually have a caller I think we, I got a caller I I just posted on Facebook That we had open lines for a ghost story So I don't know This is area code 774 And you're mm-hmm. going to be live on the Paranormal Sacred And don't give me a and call Because I'm going to get mad yep, right, What's um, your first name please My name is Eric Thank Martin you.
5: Eric Hi Eric
2: Hi. How did you hear about the show tonight
5: uh I'm just on Facebook and um I've been a paranormal investigator for 19 years. i actually run my own team out of uh, Fall River, Mass. Oh, and, cool. And uh I saw I saw your post. So I figured I'd call in and Thank uh,
2: you. Thank you. So happy to have you aboard. Uh, uh what would you like to share Where Now, we tell us something about yourself. Where are you doing these investigations at?
5: Oh, uh, well, uh we're based out of Fall River, Massachusetts. Um, I, I started, uh, Paranormal Investigating when I was 16 years old, um, and we, we cover all of New England, uh, so we don't just limit ourselves to Massachusetts by any means. Um, and we do both public and private investigations. We also do business, uh, investigations as well. And, uh, we, we actually have an open case right now in Whitman, Massachusetts, um, but uh, the, the case that uh, I wanted to uh, share with uh, was actually a public investigation on, uh, on uh, Native American uh, land in Rehoboth, Mass. And uh, we had – there, there's always been a lot of history regarding this location, and it dates back all the way to King Philip's War. Um, and for those who, do, who don't know anything about the King Philip's War – um, it, 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 it's basically it, The site ended uh, The war The King Philip's war When they caught uh, Chief Anwan Who was the chief Of the Wampanoag tribal uh, Native Americans And uh, So you know There have been a lot of reports Of people seeing uh, Campfires on top of the rock uh, Hearing drums Late at night And you know Things like that Seeing shadow apparitions And such and, uh, the one night that we were out there, I was training two new investigators and I had, uh, earlier in the day, walked around and was playing uh, tribal music off of my phone to try to get some type of a trigger, uh, to see if I can't get some activity off of that. And so it was probably, I want to say about 11 o'clock, 11.15, 11. um, I had a recorder sitting down on the bench, which was sitting, which sits at the base of the rock, and walked away. And upon review of the audio, uh, we caught uh, tribal flute music on the recorder. But at that time, nobody was playing that music, so where the music came from, we couldn't be bunked because nobody was playing anything. So we actually were able to substantiate that there there were spirits of native american heritage on the property and uh... you know we we um, saw shadows uh, you know throughout the, throughout the property and uh... you know we heard footsteps rustling around in the grass which could have been contributed to any number of things uh... but we weren't able to debunk any of it that doesn't mean that it was it was paranormal but the most significant thing was that flute music that we caught that came out of nowhere
2: amazing oh. you know um i do believe in uh, uh native american imprinting because they were here you know for thousands of years before us um mm-hmm. especially a, a different a certain area Um, I actually was uh, watching a uh, study one time. I mean, uh, you can find everything on YouTube. I take classes on there and everything and watch all kinds of stuff. (laughs) This time I was watching, I know, this time I was watching actual, uh, they found these old Native American pots, you know, uh, they were in a cave. And um, they even had some of the tools, how they made the pottery and everything else. Somebody had the bright idea because, you know, when you make pottery, there's grooves in the side of the pots and the bowls, right? Right. So they so they actually got a stylus. I don't know how they rigged it up, but they actually started playing the sides of these pots, and they heard the Native Americans talking uh, music in the background and stuff like that. They were actually embedded in the pots. Like you would embed a... a I don't even know how you uh, embed it. A uh, Music on a vinyl You know what I mean It's just so mysterious to me anyway You know or How does electricity travel Or anything else It's, it's strange to me But uh, that to me Was proof of in the environment Things can imprint in the environment Just like you know how you hold um, Certain photograph paper And it just photographs on its own You don't need a camera Right so Photograph the shadow or Things like that That's what I think is going on it's like me playing a, a movie or an imprint. Yeah.
3: You... Well, what's, you some know, of the, what's the most interesting case you dealt with? Your uh, name is Eric, correct? Yeah, Eric. Eric, yeah. What? What? Besides the um, the, the uh, well, the, EVP of the, the flu, which the is fascinating. Recent. Do you have actually, by the way, do you have a recording of that? You should put um, put it up on the net.
5: I I do somewhere. I have to look for it. Um, all my equipment's pretty much packed away. My laptop's packed away, but um, I can definitely look for it and and play it a different night. But um, my most recent, I would say that was most interesting, uh, was at a residence in uh, in Westerly, Rhode Island, and um, some of the claims were, you know, the uh, the door down in the back of the house, down in the basement where there's two bedrooms uh, opens by itself even when it's locked uh, and closed and secured tightly. So we wanted to, to try and debunk that and we could, I couldn't figure out, you know, why the door would be opening. I mean, I've tried several different things um, and, you know, certainly being, uh, being a firefighter for almost 20 years, um, I know quite well about how to open a door. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, so I, you know, I couldn't figure it out. I mean, it was it was closed, it was latched and, and secured. There was no way that the that wind or anything would be able to open this door. I mean, it was a pretty heavy door. Um, so at one point, uh, my investigators, myself, and the family were upstairs, and we were doing an EVP session, and we had the laser grid light up, and out of out of the corner of my left eye. I saw a shadow got down the staircase. Now, I had just come up the stairs five minutes prior to this happening. So I know that the door was closed, latched, and secured. So I grabbed a little mini flashlight, and I went downstairs. And I got down there. The back door was wide open. Wow. And it was closed and locked five minutes before that happened. So Would there be any- And I know nobody was down there.
3: Could you, could, would there sound like the door actually opening, or all of a sudden it was just open? In other words, could you hear the process of it being opened?
5: I, I did not. I, I, I did not. Because um, there's, there's, um, we had the air conditioners running upstairs because it was really hot that day. So we didn't. Want, I didn't want none of my investigators passing out, and I certainly didn't want the family passing out. Um, so you know, there were air conditionings, air, air conditioners running throughout the house. So you know, it made it hard to um, be able to hear anything from way downstairs. Um, So I didn't hear it open, but when I got down there, it just blew my mind, and I was like, "There's no way." (laughs) And I even went outside. I went outside, or you know, I walked around to see if maybe you know somebody was outside had a key, and there was absolutely nobody around. Um, so, I mean, I certainly could not for any reason explain that to save my life or anybody else's life. I mean, it was just, it blew my mind because I knew for a fact five minutes prior to that happening that that door was locked.
3: Right, right.
5: And nobody else well, was down. Your, that. I was the only one down.
2: Eric, what is your, yeah. um, uh, background in, uh. Like, uh, religion Or what is your belief system About ghosts and things like that? I, I,
5: I, I was, I was Raised a born-again Christian, I was raised in the church Um, yeah. and You know, I, I, I do believe In God, I do believe in the Bible And, you know, I, I go to church Not every Sunday, like I should Um, but, um I do, I do go to church And I do believe in Christianity Um, I don't necessarily subscribe to religions. Um, I I do honestly believe that we're going one of two places. and That's it. There's no in-between. There's no middleman. I mean, it's one of two options that you have. Um, And and I'm certainly not perfect in any way, you know. Um, But uh, I try to do the best I can. But
2: uh, when I do... Well, you've done a lot of good. You've really uh, been giving your all in your. Life in Jeopardy mm-hmm. for, you know, over 20 years as a fireman, and uh, yep. I want to thank you for that. And uh, sure. so what was your first interest in the paranormal? Like, what, ha- what started this whole thing? Well,
5: it, it first, actually, it first started back when I was 12 years old, uh, before I actually got involved in the paranormal when I was 16. I'm 35 now. Um, but um, it started when I was 12. And uh, it, it was a school night. My mom was working as a nurse. Uh, she was working the eleven to seven shift. Uh, so the next door neighbors, uh, you know, had checked on me from time to time, made sure I was okay, did what I was supposed to do. And uh, it was probably about nine thirty, quarter ten at night. And I was going up the stairs. And when I looked up at the top of the stairs, I saw a man standing there, looking down at me in eighteenth, uh, uh, sorry, nineteenth century. Uh, style clothing and um, he didn't make any gestures toward me he didn't feel threatening or anything like that, he just sat, stood there at the top of the steps, staring at me well, this went on probably for about a minute and a half, two minutes at most and then he turned and started walking back down the hallway on, on the second floor and just disappeared right in front of me And, uh, ever since then, I was just completely intrigued by it. It's never scared me, um, and it's just been that way ever since. You know, I started watching, you know, shows about the paranormal and reading books, and, you know, as I got older, I started saving money, buying, buying equipment, recorders, cameras, you know, that kind of thing. And then, uh, when I turned 16, I actually started getting into investigations, um, you know, and since I started, I've always had enough respect to ask people for permission to go on to a property or anything like that. Um, and I knew I know that there are teams that don't have that consideration in this day and age, um, but that's just the way I've always operated ever since I was twelve years old.
3: Why do why do um, a lot of the the paranormal investigators? Um why do they investigate during the night as opposed to the day? Why does that seem to be the preference?
5: Well, there, there's well, I mean, there's a lot of theories out there as far as that is concerned. Um, but I, I've actually investigated plenty of times during the daytime um, and gotten great results. But um, I, I think one of the theories is that people have the belief that spirits only are active at night. And, I mean, that's, to me, that's not true, because, you know, I can say otherwise. Um, I know a lot of teams nowadays, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that this is or is not why, but a lot of teams are popping up nowadays because of, you know, the popularity of uh, GAC or, you know, these other paranormal shows that are on TV nowadays, and they have absolutely no idea even what they're doing to begin with. Um, but, you know, uh, they, they I can't even explain that, to be perfectly honest, to answer your question. Um, I don't know why people would think that spirits are only active at night. Um, I can honestly say that uh, in, in my apartment where I live, I have two spirits in my house. One is a woman, one is a man. And, uh, the young, the young gentleman that's here in my apartment, um, he likes to, uh, knock things off of walls, like my wife's, uh, cowboy hat off the wall from time to time. And it's nothing malicious and he doesn't do it every day, but every once in a while, he'll let you know that he's still here and he goes that day or night. There's no specific time or no specific, uh, you know, daytime, nighttime, sun, moon, you know, Spirits are active when they want to be active. I mean, they're not on our time, they're on their time. Uh that's how I look at that. Um, they're gonna they're gonna do what they wanna do when they
2: wanna do it. Yeah, right. that's true. And it could be uh you know, uh something that's being relived, uh for um you know, I had another dream along these lines that um that I was being showed uh, the area where the ghosts are. They're kind of in the in-between. And before Mm -hmm. that, I did not know where they were residing. Are they with us? Are they in another dimension? Uh, In the dream, they were in the in-between. And it was like an old ghost town. So it was kind of like my dream was pointing out to me, this is a ghost town, it is a ghost area. So what was going on is that uh, there was a... there a, uh, There was something very profound going on, and then it was showing me like uh, people were lining up to a a bar, and this is my Mm -hmm. idea of purgatory, okay? So they're all lining up to the bar, and there's a big, long line, and when they get up to the bartender, they would take a shot, take a drink, and then by by, by the time they hit the back door, because this whole line was going in a circle, they were already thirsty again, so they had to get back in line, so it was like purgatory. They were constantly going getting back in line to get another drink, and it was just going on and on. And it was like, wow, that's, that's my idea of purgatory, if there is one. Yeah, that sounds like this, my yes, idea of a body right there. That's what I'm trying to say. There's is an issue. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, the, the other part was a house, and this, this young guy was there, and he was waiting, and it was during the day, and he was like waiting all day for his family to return, but by 5 o'clock, they never came, and then he would cry, and say, oh, my God, they're not here. And so he'd come back the next day doing the same thing. And then I realized this is what the ghosts are doing. They really think, you know, if they come back, they kind of haven't let go of here. They really think whoever they're waiting for is going to show up. But more than likely, this looked like it was taking place, you know, in the 40s or 50s. Their, their family has passed, you know, so right. they're never going to show up. But he stays haunting that house because he really thinks it's going to change.
3: I mean, that always is a good point. I mean, how come there's so many unhappy ghosts? Usually when you, when paranormal investigator stuff, very rarely it seems they come into a positive. There seems to be like a a lot of just negativity when it comes to ghosts. Why is that? Is is it because they're stuck in limbo or what?
5: Well, I I think what some of it has to do with is uh, when individuals uh, pass away, some may have regrets, um, and it may be that some uh, just have not accepted the fact, um, or they weren't ready to to pass on, um, and so because of that they react negatively towards the situation that that, that they went through, um, and, and certainly I'm not saying that for ed, for every entity uh, that comes in and out of our world, so to speak, um, but, you know, if, you know, putting myself in that, in the, in that situation, if, you know, suddenly I passed and, uh, you know, I wasn't ready, you know, I, there were things I still needed to do, things I needed to take care of, things I wanted to say to people that I haven't had an opportunity to say, um, certainly I, w- I would be upset myself. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I would hold, I would hold that against, you know, whatever powers may be in that situation. Um, so, I mean, and not every entity, uh, is, um, intelligent. I mean, you, you have, um, you, you know, your residual and, and and things of that nature. And, And, you know, some spirits, you know, they, they don't even know that they've passed. You know, yeah. so they think that they're still living, and you know they're trying to interact with you and that happened with my with my realize. mother when
3: she uh when uh, when her father died, my grandfather um that same night she was she was sleeping over at the house keeping my her mom company so she wouldn't be alone and um uh my my grandparents had they lived in a small house, but they had two two separate adjoining beds. That's just how, how they were from the, from the old country. And so she was sleeping on his bed, and she woke up, and he was standing there. She saw, like, you know, his apparition standing there, and he looked at her puzzled, like, what are you doing in my bed? And what's going on? She said she was, he was looking around in puzzlement. Like, he was just perplexed, like, what's going on? And then he just kind of faded away. So I think there's something, too, um, wow. What you're it's saying like is Asia like,
0: too. some some
3: people maybe they don't, and when he passed away, it was instant. He was at a meeting um, and my aunt was there with him and all of a sudden it was just, and he just died instantly.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So uh, he, from the witnesses that saw him when he passed, they said he had no idea what hit him. So maybe there's something to what you're saying where people's like, what happened? Am I dead? What's going on? Yeah. You know? Do you feel as a paranormal investigator that you should tell them, like, you know, hey, you know, politely, <laughs> like, guess what? You're in a lex- next life. You need to ask for the light or something like that. Do you feel as your duty to, to, say, to inform them, or is it even possible to, to tell them?
5: Well, uh, first and foremost, when it, when it comes to anything like that, um, my, my, my first goal is to help. Anybody and everybody involved, that whether it's an entity, the family involved, um, you know. So uh, I always extend um, a courtesy to to all parties involved, and certainly I include uh, spirits in that because they were once people just like you and myself. Um, so I mean that there there have been a few times where, uh, actually, quite a few times more than I can count, where I've Stopped doing everything I was doing uh, In an investigation And I would pray for that person or would pray for that spirit um, And you know the whole, With the hopes that maybe it would help them I, I can't say personally If it has or hasn't I don't know I'm hoping that it would have um, And certainly that's my goal Is, is to help um, But uh, I mean I've, I've said a few times You know hey you know this is the situation, you know, in, in a very polite and respectful way. You know, it's time for you to move on. You know, you. you I realize it may be realized that you don't know that you've passed, that you have passed, and you know, uh, it's time for you to move on and be able to rest and and be able to be at peace. You know, and, and certainly, like I said, I hope that that helps the entities of the spirits uh, involved. Um,
2: and so that that I does. is. I think sometimes they they just need understanding, you know, just, you know, let them know it's time to go and then, you know, if somebody notices, I'm not sure about it, but, um, you know, it sounds like that. So, you know, Eric, I I just appreciate you so much calling in. Um, We have uh, another caller on the line, too. Uh, He's a friend of Adrian's and um, I want to thank you so much for checking in tonight and, uh, you're uh, very welcome. And are really
3: pleasure to I meet like you. Um, send Char some you. of your info. Yeah, I, um, I got well, it. Well,
2: so anybody, uh, if you buddy. want, you can,
5: uh, you can also, you can find us on Facebook. We have a like page. Uh, you can also find us at NewEnglandGhostFinders.net uh, and visit our website that way. Um, and uh, you know, get in touch with us if anybody has. Any concerns or you know uh, need some help, they're more than welcome to give us a call or send us an email, and uh, we'll be glad to help out.
2: Thanks, Eric. Take care. Pleasure Thank you for calling in. We love the information. Take care and have a good night.
5: You too.
2: Okay, take care. Okay, so now Eric Code Eight Five Zero. I don't know his first name but you're live with the paranormal and the sacred with Adrian and Shah McCain. But, Hello?
3: Is that okay? Is it, can we say your name? Yes,
1: yeah,
3: Larry. Larry, okay, my friend. From hey, Florida, correct?
1: Oh, you should know me by now.
3: Yes, yes.
1: Um,
3: <laughs> he's called in um, before, I think. Um, my yeah. friend Larry, you can ask away, Char. He's had a lot of uh, paranormal experiences.
2: Well, well tell us. Tell us, Larry, uh, what's going on and um, when did your paranormal experiences start and why don't you give us uh, one of the interesting cases you'd like to talk about?
1: Um, probably started when I was probably about three years old. Um, we used to, I, every night I would have a, I would say a dream, um, but it was the same every night um, for years, for, you know, two, three years. I would actually have, I guess, how I perceived this entity, it was a, orange teddy bear, and he would come through my window every night. And things that he would show me actually came true a few days later um, and stuff like that. Um, But one of the more interesting experiences was actually at Adrian's house. Um, My mom died when uh, I was uh, 18. Told
3: you, Char. (laughs) My house was haunted. Oh, wow. Go ahead. Go ahead, Larry.
1: Yeah, I was 18. Uh, My mom died when she was 38 of a a rare childhood uh, liver disease, actually, cancer. Um, that took her pretty fast. Um, Adrian's family was kind enough to take me in at that point. Um, Adrian's dad got me a job. Um, I basically lived in their uh, basement in Monrovia. Um, it's basically a two-story house, but the bottom is kind of, it was on a hill.
3: It was um, a split-level home, right. The first looks like the first story, the back the second story. I played at his mom's funeral, by the way. I played violin because she always wanted I to did. hear.
2: She
3: did. At Lenny, she never got to hear it, and so I, I played at the church in, in she her heard honor. it.
1: Yeah, go ahead,
3: I'm
1: sorry. Oh, you're fine. Um, one night I was down there, and everybody that would come to this house, that would go downstairs, whether they believed in ghosts, whether they were Christian, agnostic, atheist, they always said, there's something wrong down here.
0: Um, yep. I
1: woke up one night, and uh, it wasn't raining outside. It was a clear night. Um, just got the, the hair standing up, just that feeling. Um, I looked right out of the window, and there's a girl about nine years old, but she's drenched, like she's wet, soaking wet. Eyes are just black, and you can just feel the. I guess evil is kind of a the best word we can use after uh, your guest tonight, taking the kind of the Christian way of it.
3: Um, was she angry at you? I mean, were she you sleeping dead. where? Because our that house was my parents' home was built, I think, in uh, twenty nine. So it's an old older house. Did you get a sense yeah. that she was mad at you or something? I mean, what was it?
1: Yeah, it was. It was more like. She wanted at me, and I don't know why I've never, you know, nobody that I would, you know, would recognize or an entity that I've never seen before, but for some reason, she did not like me being down there.
3: Because I remember you freaked out that day. You go, "You're there's something down there, and when you told me about this girl, she was dressed like, what, like a Victorian sort of? Right, like a child. right kind of that
1: dress. Yeah, that Victorian dress.
3: But she was huh. young.
1: she's nine, ten years old, but it's just the hatred in her eyes. Um, it's just something I'll never forget. Yeah. Um, she Maybe she's gonna terrorize house our house. Here, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't picture. So wow. Um, we actually had another time that uh, me and Adrian were actually at a. I worked at a small animal hospital and actually lived there. Um, we were, and it's not really a ghost, but uh, more paranormal. We were both talking. You know, we were young. What, we were about twenty five, Adrian.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was the early nineties. Yeah, it was like ninety one, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we
1: had a we had a mutual friend named Ken and his wife, and then he's had a baby a few months. Before that, um, we were just sitting there talking, and we just got this weird feeling. We both looked out the window um, towards Ontario, California, same time, and said something just happened to their baby. We didn't know what. And about twenty minutes later, I got a phone call from my friend Ken saying his baby had died.
3: That's right. I totally forgot about that until um, <laughs> and then the other when Larry mentioned that to me the other day, and we were talking about our psychic experiences. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember? It's like a wave hit us. At least to me, and that it was a it was information. It's like, wow. Something happened to their and child. We just knew. We both knew. Yeah. That the, it was a shared psychic experience. Did you have, like, that start, too? Anything like a shared yeah, psychic experience? I'm kind
2: of stunned because, uh, well, yeah, I'm kind of stunned about the baby thing, really. But
3: um, Yeah, that was weird. When we found out, like, oh, my gosh, we were right. <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah, it's um.
3: And it was a shared experience. That's the thing, you know. I've had
2: many of them. And, you know, especially me, Rosemary, her husband, me, my two grandsons, like we're we're sharing something together. But that's kind of profound. Um, I have had a a dog. I was going down Prospect. I remember I was in Hermosa Beach and I was going down Prospect. It just takes that curve near near, near to Hermosa and uh, from uh, Prospect and uh, 190th. Anyway, so I was going down the street and all of a sudden my uh, daughter's chow chow came to me in my mind's eye, and I it was reaching out to me. And I called my daughter right there. I said, you know, your dog has at uh, told me something. You better get over there and water the dog. She says, no, I just left the big you know, pan of water, blah blah. blah. So she told me. I said, "I'm begging you, please." You're, the dog reached out to me, and you know when uh, something reaches out to you, you're you're broken hearted. And uh, we're gonna now the 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 uh, live uh, show part is gonna shut off, so some people may not be able to hear the conversation from uh, you know a couple minutes from now on. But we're going to continue recording so you'll be able to listen to the rest of the show in archives. So we still have a little time, and I just want to let everybody know that thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We really appreciate it. Okay, so anyway, uh, I, I begged her. I really begged, I really begged her that day that uh, please go over the dogs. You know, she didn't do it. By the time she went over there, that poor chow-chow had crawled under the house and died of heat exhaustion. They had stepped on their bowl and dumped the water out. There was no water. It was a very hot day. And that poor thing died of heat exhaustion. The chow chows are big and kind of red and furry. So, it's uh, you know, I, it, I suffered with it. Is that what you guys are talking about? Like you're aware of something. And your spirit kind of... You just
3: kind of know. that. That's yeah. the hard thing to explain to people who are...
2: Yeah, it is hard to explain.
3: Or... Well, we've never experienced it. I mean, Larry's had a lot of experiences, just like Mr. Tan. Um, we just, you just know, and you know that, Char. it's You just, it, it's, you can't. It's like when you know when you're hungry. You just know. You weren't taught yeah. to know you're hungry. You just know when you're hungry. A child just knows. It's something that we're born. There's certain things I, I believe, certain intuitions that we're born with, and I think those are one of them. Um,
1: I think it's about being yeah. tube.
3: No, did you, didn't you have any out-of-body experiences like I yeah, did? Yeah, I've had
1: those before. Where actually, I used to do a lot of meditation and actually try to some, do some
3: Share one with Shar. Um, I'm sure she'd love to hear it.
1: Yeah. Um, during my meditations, you know, and I was always trying to get that in, uh, you know, the out-of-body experience. I would, actually, I was able to do it a few times where I would go to a friend's house and uh, just kind of sit in the corner, um, and they actually felt, something there when i was doing this so they could actually feel me there but i could tell what he was doing eating um so i would call him up after i was done i said you were just doing this this and this correct and he would say yes he kind of me out for hanging out over there
3: now when you had it did you go through anything like when i had my autobotic the the experience i felt like i was going through at least when i had to go a far distance from like my grandma's house to my well, I was in no, a
0: no, no, okay. pretty pretty really squirrely
3: tunnel. Did you go through anything, or was it just you were instantaneous, instantaneous I there?
1: Much, I, just, I felt myself going up, up to about the ceiling, and then I was just there. There was no tunnel or light or anything like that. Mm. And I'm thinking that's kind of what was happening when I was a very young kid with that uh, the orange teddy bear where he would actually sometimes take me out through the window, and I think that was an out-of-the-body experience at that point because he would take me places, show me things. and
3: uh... Me and Larry were talking at length in private, Char, about this teddy bear, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of wonder. I, w- yeah, I want your, I want your take on it, bear. because I kind of hypothesizing. and we were both hypothesizing, because, you know, like in the UFO stuff, there can be screen memory, and when he said, you know, this green or this orange teddy bear comes up to his window, I'm like, I wonder if that's a screen memory, of an, but it was actually an alien. I mean, do you think it was actually paranormal, or do you think mm-hmm. it was... Um, I mean, and it was like a reoccurring thing, I mean, Larry can elaborate more, but given what he said, what do yeah. you think? Do you think you he's
2: know, a, possib- a possible
3: abductee, too? <laughs>
2: yes, that's what I think. I mean, since when does a ghost uh, dress up like anything? I think usually they show themselves off as they are, or maybe a poltergeist will show up as a kid, or something like that, but... I've never heard of anything so odd as that, except for, do you remember in uh, Communion, the one where uh, Christopher Walken was, didn't a teddy bear play a part in that movie?
3: Oh, wow. Um, I've
2: never seen that. Do you remember? No, I don't remember. Go
3: ahead and remind us. I totally don't remember. Yeah,
2: that book. Years
3: ago when I I saw that.
2: that Yeah. That book was the one that scared the hell out of me. I mean, I was petrified. But there was a teddy bear sort thing of
3: thing in teddy. there? I don't remember. But
2: there was a teddy bear, and the teddy bear's eyes, one eye popped out and it had blood running down it. So they weren't really looking at what they were looking at. And that's why I think that this is a screen memory, and I think we got another abductee during the party. Tonight. Well, awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, because... Um, one thing, uh, something that has happened recently, um, I spoke with Adrian. and He kind of thought that, too, but I've never gone towards the alien thing. I've always, you know, ghost. You know, that's always been my thing. I've always yeah. heard them. I can always feel them. But uh, I work in Pensacola, which is about 100 miles from my home. Um, so I was staying. Mm-hmm. I have a band also, besides my normal job. After band practice, I was staying at the singer's house. And I was in the back bedroom by myself. Um, she stayed in another room. Um, that was on the opposite side of the house, I was wide awake because after playing music, Adrian can probably attest to this, that you you got adrenaline, (laughs) you It's hard to go to sleep. So I'm just laying there just relaxing and, you know, just trying to um, mellow out. And all of a sudden I could hear a voice and I could not move. Um, I could actually move my head to the right. The voice, whatever the voice was, was behind me on my left.
3: I that's what that we were trying to do, to elaborate some more, cause this is um, good for sure, because we were trying to decide, was this an actual alien thing or what? Because have you ever heard of a ghost paralyzing a person like him? Elaborate on how he paralyzed you, Larry. Like, you could move only your head, right?
1: I can move my, yeah, only my head, and I can only move it to the right and look not where this voice was coming from. And it was an authoritative voice. It wasn't mad or, you know, happy or anything. It was more authoritative, like... But I could not make out the word. But, yeah, I was and I was actually struggling. I fought for a good two hours, I'd say, and I finally just passed out. I woke up, you know, four or five hours later, and I was just like I fought a, you know, a heavyweight fight. I was just
2: sore. I was tired.
3: What does that sound like to you, Shar? Well,
2: it sounds like an abduction because you're not really
3: talking know, huh? about.
2: Well, there's some exhausting, usually battles with ghosts and things like that are, or negative entities, but we but you sound like you're being experimented on in return, because that's when I was having... I Before I knew anything about any of this, I would have total body paralyzed. I'd wake up suddenly, feel like something was on my chest, but I'd wake up and I could only move my eyes and then my head eventually. But uh, I would look, and the room would look red, and then... You know, I always thought there. was – So I started calling them Frankenstein dreams because they were so strange. And uh, little did I know that I was probably being abducted. And that's why I was seeing and the lum glow.
3: Larry is so not into the aliens like I am. So he's like, yeah. f- it. you know. So he's not. So he's not predisposed because of what I said or or like. So he's really like, wow, really? Maybe. I, I mean, you yeah, never I didn't even want to hear that. That's an alien abduction, huh, Larry?
1: Yeah, I don't want to hear that.
3: I yeah, know. right.
1: I, I, I like to stick, I like to stick with my ghost theory.
3: Yeah, he's very he's heavily into paranormal. But um, th- don't you agree? Because that's what I thought. I thought that sounds like an abduction to me, and that's exactly what you think, don't you, sure
2: I do. I agree with it because it has the hallmarks of you know your body I mean, being time, frozen he out, and then something
0: coming you know, through the
2: window, an orange teddy bear. Uh, that's a free memory. That's the screen. Well, I, even, I, I
1: even made my mom and dad actually at the time leave cookies and milk out for it like Santa Claus. <laughs>
2: well, that's a good way to cope with it, really.
0: And when You're I right. think
2: about it, I think I think that screen is protecting you from trauma. Because the way I see them, I don't see them as a teddy bear. I see them as hummingbirds that walk, you know, or tall, like four feet tall, and then I see them as insects, bugs. Dogs, cats, you know what I mean? I see them like that. I have never seen a gray. I've seen these blue and green little chest-piece-looking guys, you know, that were short and kind of stubby. But uh, I've never actually seen, like, the gray that is uh, in movies and stuff like that, except when I was a kid, what I was seeing, I saw these silver trash can-looking things with big black eyes. I was I was calling them. Med- you know how they have those dome uh, trash cans with a dome lid you push open and you dump your trash in there. To me, that's what they look like, like like silver bullets, but tall. It's my same height. And I probably was about four feet tall back then, you know, or shorter. And they were mm. silver with a dome head and a slit for a mouth and big black eyes. But so I guess that uh, could have been a gray. I guess silver is gray but I saw them more metallic-looking color, which is gray, I guess. I
1: don't so the know. screen memories are just kind of...
3: It's a way to fool you. you. something
1: it's that's a, not there?
3: Right. With screen memory, and then you could say it's a screen memory or screen perception as it's happening. And then later, like, well, how do you know what was there? Because later then, sometimes your memory will resurface, and all of a sudden that will go away, and then you actually remember what was there. And so that's how pe- they realize, oh, that was a screen. You know what I mean? And just okay. because of... Virtue of a lot of cases that char and I have seen you know through the years and stuff of dealing just our own experiences and listening to other people um, you get you get a sense of like what 's a hallmark of of prob you know yeah. probable and stuff and they use this kind of what screen perception you can think of it as a virtual technology as a way to manipulate you we had a guest um, Brent I forget his last name he was a wonderful um, guest and he talked how he saw aliens actually behind a screen and they would be projecting things in front of him but he said it was so real he, he would still you know interact with it like you know dead relatives or whatever you know, so you have these tests, and it was a conscious memory, so you have these memories. And so that's how, you know, over the years, um, investigators figure, okay, they're using what's, what we call screen screen memory or screen perception. And so what you've had, Larry, possibly could be, uh, because ghosts don't go around just, you know, um, paralyzing person and then doing stuff with what happened to you, and then, you yeah, we have what you described as missing time, you know. And then a teddy bear coming out to, <laughs> to a window. Didn't you say? I remember you told me um, um, in private. Didn't it take you to a tree and then down an elevator or something like that? Yeah, yeah. That
1: was uh, yeah. I had dreams for a couple of weeks like Yeah. Like, but, uh, this guy yeah, would see, come to
2: my
3: cool. door. Uh, Taking them to a tree and opening a door. What do you think yeah, about this that this is sir? a
2: hallmark. This is because I was taken up into you're your sign elevator. Uh, which implies it was it metallic looking inside like elevators
1: are That's the same thing I had because when I uh, He would come to my in my dream he would come to my door and say we got to run now. We got to go and he would uh, and there was Alien ships that had come down and I guess these two were fighting each other But uh, he took me into this tree that opened up and then it went down in an elevator and I was met by a gray and then there were some kids up against the wall just kind of hanging out um,
2: and then yeah. I mean, found real I, paul- mean, I hate to say it,
3: Larry. You're probably an abductee. I know you don't like yeah, that.
2: Yeah, I definitely And you're not into that. it. <laughs> because I was being taken to a metal tunnel is what I thought. But I was so young, I used to look for the answer. So I would look in the, we had metal sinks with the metal drain back then. Uh, I was, so I was easily three or four when I was having these recurring nightmares. Because I would have had night, terror and stuff like that. And part of them were about, you know, being taken down this tunnel with these metal people. And I used to look around the house for an explanation, you know, because you really can't make sense of it because everything is like a twilight world. They're never going to really show you who they are. They never show you who they are, or their real face. That I know of, they ne- I've never seen one that didn't look like a bug or something like that.
3: But they probably are some sort of, <laughs> Bugs. I
2: know, um, I know. We've talked about that. Scary,
3: Larry. Did any of them, um, these creatures that you saw, did any of them co up and just stare at you? Like, did well, big eyes I, right in I, front of your eyes, like like a weird stare, and you thought, well, why is it staring at me? Do you have any memory of that?
5: You no.
1: Know, he was looking at me, but just like we were, I was meeting him. I was just a little gray guy. Now the real super tall one, I would. Uh, he would be at a, some type of council with a bunch of lights and I would just stand next to him and it was almost like he was trying to show me something but
2: Is had it like dream, being so. at a conference? Was it like a conference or like there was
1: no, a convention like, or No, no, it was nothing like it. It was almost like an under, everything was like an underground bunker and this war was happening on top of the world so they were trying to get people down there. Um, mostly what I saw was kids probably around 11, 12 um, that were just kind of, you know, when a kid kind of goes up against a wall and just kind of slides down and is just bored. Um, there were seven or eight of those um, each time. Well,
3: but the I dream th- is I always the that... same. And sometimes so you um, had the reoccurring dream over and over again, Larry?
1: Yeah, for about two weeks, and then it stopped. After we is started talking about family...
2: it, it okay. Go ahead, uh, Larry, is anybody in your family ever said they saw a UFO or had weird experiences like what you're talking about? Um, my aunt,
1: coming back from Vegas a long time ago, said they saw a UFO overhead, but they didn't actually see, you know, uh, the, you know, you got, you know, military planes and all that. So, But uh, my wife, uh, she yeah. passed away. Um, oh, she had that, that, that paral- the fleet paralysis yes. like and you it, have. She yes. could see floating figures above her. And one time when she was, I believe, 16, um, she had gotten pregnant. She passed, you know, did a couple, uh, you know, how young girls do, they'll do two or three of those pregnancy tests, and they all came back positive. Her dad, the next week, took her to go get the abortion, and she wasn't pregnant anymore. Wow. Wow.
2: I've just heard that last week that a baby was taken, that um, they knew this woman was pregnant, uh, she was four months pregnant, and uh, she had just a week before been to the doctor, came home, she was spotting a little bit when she woke up, uh, went back to the doctor, and he said, I just saw you, maybe you miscarried, they were going to do a DNC, but her uterus was returned back to pre, pre-pregnancy, pre like she was never pregnant at all, so they didn't do anything. Wow. So, you know, little, little babies are taken, just like but I don't that. see why
1: would they why would they take somebody that was basically maybe a month two months old? It'd be too small. Well, it doesn't
2: matter. It could even be embryos, just to, just so they can hatch them. You know, mm. the the hybrids, which I don't ever, I never call them hybrids, but whatever you know, the kids are mixed DNA with let's say alien DNA, and they call it hybrids. They are taken, uh, and you're only like a month along, like would be four weeks. They're taken. You know, they they don't need their their science is so advanced. They don't need to. Uh, I don't know where they're raising them. Some people have said they've seen them being uh, growing inside of these water tanks.
3: You know, well, but did you have any what you thought were dreams, Larry, where you woke up and you were breathing in liquid or anything like that? No, no, okay.
2: nothing like that. No. Yeah. Have you seen a UFO
3: yourself? No. No. no, no I wasn't a lot. Larry, okay. Larry got a, tolerated me talking about UFOs in the '80s and stuff because that's what I was into. <laughs> <laughs> Our connection was the the paranormal in general because I was obviously into yeah. ghosts and meditation and stuff, and Larry was heavily yeah. in and, and still is heavily in, into that. And so, but when he started recently talking to the things that he related to you, Char, um was like, you know what? I think he might be an abductee, you know.
2: Yeah, um, I think that, that's what that is. Well, I mean, it's a teddy bear. It's odd that it's in that movie, Communion. So you probably could watch that movie and rent it or whatever, and you're going to see a teddy bear show up. And it's kind of sinister, though, in the movie.
1: Mine wasn't sinister. You know? Mine was very teddy
2: bearish. So it was very happy. Well, and...
1: well, well that that's was That's part of the screen
3: memory, Larry. So scared. So you wouldn't be scared. Like when I, I remember creatures. The creatures were not screen memory. I'm just having a hard time remembering exactly how they looked like because it happened so long ago, when I was young. And I thought originally thought it was a reoccurring dream, and I realized later, like you know what, that wasn't a dream. until then when I once I realized there were aliens, I mean it was like you know, I was I was in my twenties, you know, or or, and so. Um, they would take, grab me by the hand, and you know, I was in my room, and they would, one would grab me by the hand. Next thing I know, I'm in the Monrovia Library Park. Why would they do that? Because I like the park, you know what I mean? So anything that associates yeah. pleasantly so they can manipulate you. And so I was in this trans state, and so that that helps too. And then they just kind of, so they would do, whatever reason the teddy bear would, they they, they figure out what works. They're very utilitarian in that sense. Whatever rules they can use. And so for you, the teddy bear must have, you must have really liked teddy bears or something, but it because it worked. Well, I mean, I was yeah,
1: I was you know three years old. So I mean, that's probably something. That's I would,
2: what you I can
3: guess, relate to. Yeah. Yeah. They'll even wow. use dead relatives. Let's say, um, they'll, you know, they'll, 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 some abductees will consciously see and see an alien and they'll get scared. But all of a sudden, boom, they they can sense that you have because they have they have this they can, in a sense, read your mind or something. They can get in your head, and so they see that you have religious proclivities. Let's say, for instance, where there's a Christian or whatever. Boom, they'll see, you know, there'll be an image of Christ. That that Christ will say, follow these guys. They're they're my, you know, they're my angels. Do what they say. You know, go with them. Carla Turner would give examples of that. So whatever ruse works. Um, Yeah. But what's interesting because it sounds like what Char had, because you said you were like in a council. Were they testing you, Larry? I mean, what were they? Why? Why would you say it's a council? What made you feel like it was a? You were standing in front. No, of no, the, like
1: a console, like a console, like a. Oh, console. Like console. Were gonna
3: oh, yeah, you are going to put on a console. table.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was controlling something from there.
3: Oh, did I you feel like did, were you line. by a, a ta- table? Were they going to do something to you?
1: I didn't see a table. No, um, I just saw what that was you know. It was a was
2: the council? Console.
1: It was uh, gray, and it had different buttons on it with different colors. And he was kind of like staring out like he was staring through something. But I only saw him a couple times. I only got The dream only progressed long enough um, a couple times to see him. But he was super right. tall because I'm 6'3", well, I've almost. Heard of, and
2: I've, heard of, I've he, heard of that.
3: So you were an adult, so adult you old old when you had this? Old. This was
1: last year, year and a half ago?
3: Oh, my gosh.
4: Wow.
3: Okay. Yeah. So
1: how do yeah, you feel exactly about, about it? He died.
3: Uh, Our, yeah, Larry, how do you so – sure, that's a good question. How do you feel about it, dude? <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I don't like what I hear. I like the ghost series better.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like the ghost thing.
1: <laughs> I, I've, I've, I mean, I've seen ghosts so many times. I've heard them so many times. I mean, the way you even hear them at work, I, we had a supervisor that was killed 30 years ago, shot in the chest. Uh, By a guy that came in And I was actually down in one of the What we call the outbuildings Nobody else, I'm the only supervisor there Locking up for the night I hear, hey I turn around and said, okay, hey And I just keep walking And he said it louder again And I said, okay, I see you're here And he finally just like screamed it almost And I said, I'm out of here, see you But uh, a lot of people would see actually uh, A guy in a flannel shirt Which was what he died in um, Back there real quick like um, rollers would start moving. Um, we have kind of like a, at the time we had rollers where the cases kind of you can roll them down. Um, those rollers would start turning. So there was all sorts of stuff down there, and they're still there. We just don't use those buildings anymore.
3: So are you as clear audio? Audience, are you that way clear audio, or can you I actually see them? I mean, yeah I
1: see them and I hear them. Um, recently, like the. The one that was on the side of my bed um, about the same time as these other dreams with the, the elevator and the going in a tree thing,
0: um,
1: that, that woman was, I could hear a woman talking to me, and I can sense what she looked like. Couldn't, for some reason, lately I haven't been able to understand them. And I don't know hmm. why. And that's the same thing with well, the one after, that was you know, wouldn't let me look at her. I couldn't understand what she was saying. I just know she was saying yeah, something.
2: Yeah, I've had that before. What it is is that you're uh, blocking it, you know, you Mm. just, you know, it's like I think the older we get, the more, I guess, because you don't, you don't really want to hear that you've been abducted either, so it's like when you start putting a block on it, it kind of blocks a lot of things, like if you uh, neglect your gift, let's say you have a spiritual gift, if you neglect it and you say no to it, you stop having it, you know, Mm. usually, I, I have, like a remote viewing capability, and I was seeing such horrible stuff. I asked God to stop. You know, I don't want to see that anymore. You know, and I. You over
3: At times, so. I haven't done
1: that in a long time since the nineties. Oh okay. When when I was really doing a lot of meditation and and you know kind of accepting it now that you know kids and jobs and.
3: Right.
1: It just kind of seems to get pushed back, but.
3: Isn't that something, sure, I mean, how like the adult life can kind of just really the way our society structure it really shuts down the important aspects of our mind.
2: Yes, I think the fear that we don't conform to what we think is normal, and people instill fear in us. I know that my family because Larry uh, is very intuitive,
3: like you and us. I mean, he's extremely yeah, intuitive. Yeah, I
2: can tell. I can tell. It and saddens that's why... me
3: that. He, his life has made him like, okay, I can't deal with this kind of stuff now because, you know, yeah, you got bills. Yeah, people
2: scare you. Whatever. People will, when they, when, this is what, how people scare me in particular, they call me a witch. Because so, you a They call me a witch. Oh, a witch? yeah, yeah. I've had many, many people call Now I feel like I look like an old gypsy. You know, I'm really getting mad at myself i getting have older. You know, something
3: about you, sir. I know you don't like to hear it, but, I you know, you do. I
2: know. I don't like to hear it. I'm like Larry. I don't <laughs> want to hear it. Don't tell me. <laughs> but I do look like that, but I wasn't aware of it before, but I am now. And then when people call me a witch, I instantly shut, up, shut down.
3: But a that, that you know, witch can be a good thing. Larry's, Larry's a, a Wicca. And um, that, from that perspective, that's a good thing.
2: I know, but when they say it, I freeze. It's almost because I guess I was born in Boston. You know what I because mean? You're, I've so, always sp- heard about you're so spiritual and you kind of dress
3: everything. that way, kind of. You know what I mean? We're more. Yeah. Um, you don't dress like the straight black and white sort of, you know.
2: I don't. Um, I, I really don't. Because you dress mean creatively. Yes, I guess so. Well, you know, kind of there's it's a bohemian kind of. I don't know yeah. when I started observing myself like that, but it was recently. Like, I came to awareness. All of a sudden, I'm looking at my eye. I, I, is that you? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I look like yeah. a gypsy lady. And, you know, I am Greek. You know, my mom's Greek. And uh, so I really want to do my DNA and see just what's in there. You know, just what happened when the gypsies came through Greece, you know? It stayed 500 years.
3: Yeah, so they I have the, had they had really was it AncestryDNA.com or something like that? Oh, mate.
2: I've got to. A couple to. hundred As soon bucks. I get the money, I'm doing it. Yeah,
3: they, yeah, it's only like
2: a hundred bucks now.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's
2: pretty cheap. I thought it was yeah. a couple hundred like 250.
3: Some people are finding out they're they've they've part Neanderthal. Down. It's pretty interesting.
2: Oh, my God. My, my friends found out that their family is not only part Neanderthal, but they go back to Africa. You know, and they went really in shock. And yeah. I said, wait a minute, I think we all go back to Africa. That's yeah, that's the ongoing, yeah, a
3: lot of evidence supports that, that's true.
2: So they the of better Africa. when I said that, but I'm thinking inside, well, it's Mother Africa, we all go back to Garden of Eden right. for that matter. Yeah. So anyway, you never know, but I want to find out because I have, you know, I have like a lot of guardian angels in my dreams. And I don't think I'm any part at all Native American, but I have a lot of affinity for their spirituality, but also uh, Jew, Jewish uh, religion. Mm. You know, like, uh, what's it, what do they call the... Um, um, the
3: Hasidic? No. Or, well, I think I know what one. you're talking about. Um, yeah,
2: I can't think of the word right now.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I know what you're Yeah, yeah, well, the really mystical part. Yeah, it's part.
2: more spiritual, the mystical part is yeah, what yeah, I identify yeah. with. So right. you know, and I've seen them in my dreams, my angels are so like these Jewish ladies dressed in black, and they do the nodding and they pray for me out these little books and stuff like that. So but they're not the only ones. I mean I've dreamt of many different guardian angels, so
3: Larry you anyway. battle you've battled spirits. How do you, from your spirituality, how do you interpret when you deal do you see them as evil? I mean, how do you see them?
1: Yeah, I mean, the only one that I ever really thought was malevolent was the the one outside your door when I was sleeping downstairs That's the only one that really kind of gave me pause The the Some of them, you know, like the one that was I'm still going with the ghost thing um, Not letting me move, I was more pissed I wasn't afraid I was just more mad, you know, why are you doing this? Um, and then you passed out
3: and many hours have passed, right?
1: yeah about four or five has passed. you know it's just I fell asleep, I guess just from the struggle, and'm yeah, I, and I, just...
3: <laughs> I know you don't wanna hear it
2: right, hot, sir? <laughs> well it was, um it... I guess it, it could be any you know if you if you keep an open mind uh it could be you know whatever you know yeah. um, we have a tendency to okay, so experiencers like Adrian and I have they have they seem to have a lot of artistic ability uh they also seem to have a lot of psychic abilities they have extraordinary experiences all the time including out of body experiences and uh artistic like uh, it's like a whole uh a grab bag of things and it's not just one of us that has this stuff going on i mean there's a lot of us that have all these different sets of gifts like some people uh, like Christopher Bledsoe, uh, he's in North Carolina, massive sightings and stuff like that, but what he, he went, he's on his land that he's lived on for 11 generations, believe it or not. And, wow. um, uh, what happened with him is that he had all these UFO experiences and everything out. They're very intense, and there is going to be a movie coming out. So I think Spielberg picked up the story, and so he's really, uh, being able to, uh, you know, uh, get his story out there. But anyway... But his was wrapped up in also religious experiences, you know. He he thinks a certain way about it. It's also spiritual, you know. So we all seen it, but he actually turned from a hunt. He was hunting and fishing. That was the way his lifestyle was. And right. You know, a lot, a lot of times
3: him. we see what we, belie- what we believe. In other words, we tend to yeah. interpret stuff depending on our belief system. It's really hard yeah, so to think objective Because we, we, we do. We all have predispositions of, you know, how things are, and so our belief systems can influence. I like a guest you had on earlier
1: where it was a Christian, and so he saw everything as angels, demons, that type of deal. No,
2: what happened was he didn't start out as Christian. He wasn't even baptized when all this stuff was going on. So uh, now it's changed for him, but like Chris, the same thing. He was a hunter and all this, and then after he saw uh, these UFOs and other spiritual experiences, he stopped hunting, started gardening, and now he has an awesome garden farm. I mean, the the things are growing extraordinarily f- fantastic. I mean, it's like a garden of Eden over there. He no longer hunts, you know, and uh, his whole he started painting. It's strange. It's like these uh, we all tend to have these similarities. We all think that we have to uh, make the world a better place. We're all trying to change it. Like we have a lot of similarities like that.
3: Have you ever thought Have about ever being a ghost hunter, Char? I could see <laughs> being a ghost hunter.
2: I'm scared.
3: Really? <laughs>
2: Let Larry do it.
1: <laughs> well, if you come to Louisiana and actually to New Orleans, they allow you to actually use the equipment and you go into a haunted hotel and actually use um, the ghost hunter's equipment for a night.
2: Well, where are you at? Larry, where are you at?
1: I'm in uh, Panama City, Florida, right now. Um, oh, Okay. Well, I was originally in California for you know 30 years, and I moved out to Pensacola, and now I'm over here so past year in Pensacola. You, Pen- you know.
2: liked
1: it? No, it sucks.
2: I hate it. You away uh, over there. It's <laughs> expensive yeah, I here in the area. That was a mistake. Here, I, get back I, over yeah. here. What?
0: Yeah, are you there?
1: Nature-
3: but, uh, hello. Yeah, yeah we are here. Yeah. Okay, out. go ahead. Oh.
1: Yeah, over
3: here in Florida, it's
2: too hot and too many tourists. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of weird anomalies in Florida, too. You know, my mother was in Florida recently. She had a stroke out there. You know, I, I didn't care. want her to go. I actually, before she left, I begged her not to go, and she was me like I was crazy. I just told her, no, Ma, please don't go. And she had a stroke out there, and by the grace of God, and, I mean, so many people were praying for her. I think they brought her back. I mean, I know they did. Because she wow. her her brain was not attached to her legs anymore, and her the way she was holding her feet like they were just pointing towards each other, the toes she never moved mm-hmm. her legs at all, and she wow. couldn't walk. And then when we started praying, I think we had easily on Facebook, 250 people started praying, including um, my friend uh, Mr. My, Gold, and uh, he's a Healer. He had an out body experience and he came back a healer. So, you know, it's really you know strange. All these things are going on, but I can't imagine life without them. So I was thinking, what happens when you don't have all this? It kind of loses its richness, life for me. It, it's made life exciting.
3: I, I I agree. I mean, sometimes when I think like, wow, is it all over? And boom, something really bizarre happens. You know, to remind mm-hmm. me that world is much more interesting than, than you realize. Don't forget, sort of thing. You know what I mean? That's right. That's
2: exactly. And it's never-ending. And, and a lot, I've had a lot of uh, strange uh, interdimensional things happen to me, including recent, because I thought, you know, do they ever – I was talking to Stephen Colburn about this. I said, mm-hmm. do they ever stop? He said, no, you're – he had me uh, identified as an E5 or something like that. They're never going to leave you alone. That was very upsetting. I was depressed. You know, but I'm not depressed anymore about it. Okay, so they treasure my DNA for some reason.
3: For because some reason, because something, because they're still taking stuff from you.
2: Yeah, they are. So, you know, it's the I scar don't know what they're doing about. with.
3: I thought they were finished with me, you know, until you know 2011. No, it's like, oh, okay, cause they're still doing stuff to me. So, but that was all reminded for me when I it was that, I'm talking about that scar incident. Remember, I emailed. I'm still thinking about whether I should put that on, on the net. I think I showed I emailed you the picture of my scar, didn't I, Larry? Yeah, you did. Yeah, and doesn't that look like an incision? Yeah, it does. I know, and it looked like it should hurt, and it doesn't. Um, I don't even remember anything. The next thing is when I woke up, so that reminded me sometimes one can be abducted, and you won't even know it. You know, you no, don't
2: know it. It was really
3: unnerving because I, I thought I could, I was really in tune, like, okay, I know when they're going to come, whatever. It's like, that reminded me that Maybe they figured out how to manipulate me really well, so now I'd never know. You know, because no, I was able know, to fly, fight it off it, you know, once or twice, and then um, they've learned how to do whatever they need to do with me, because that was unner- really unnerving, I'd say. One of my more unnerving was, like, because I had no clue, no clue.
2: Well, you know. I think most of this stuff is, is done undercover, and that's why we get mad. I personally yeah, get mad. Yeah. I don't feel like they're my friends at all. You know what I mean? I feel like that I'm one of their test subjects. I don't like it. I resent it. I mourn, you know, the children I feel like have been taken from me, you know. And uh, how do we cope with something, you know. we. we I initially met Yvonne Smith, and that's from Cyril, because I had PTSD, but I don't have any post-traumatics. I have now traumatic stress, mm. you know, because I have these panic attacks now just, I've always had them but now they're going on during the day too. Well,
3: know, during the like day it. as well?
2: Yes, yeah, I, mean, I didn't more... admit it but I've noticed right. it lately it's during the day too, so um I don't know what's going on. I I might be just uh, tired. I don't know. Huh.
3: So I anyway. You know. Yeah. So Larry what do you think, um I think I know what it maybe it's going on but we'll talk about it later. But uh um Larry, what do you think? Because I was i and I ask a lot of people because I just want to make sense of it. What do you think shadow people are? Uh, are you there, Larry?
0: Yeah,
3: I'm in. Oh, these yeah, are okay. Right do, yeah. What's your theory on what shadow people are? Do you think they're inter- uh, interdimensionals, or do you think they're ghosts?
1: Um, I wouldn't think. Well, I haven't really read up on that too much. Um, not really part of my experiences.
3: Okay. Yeah.
2: Fair enough. enough. Okay, and, uh, so you hearing, you're much
3: later. later. I, mean, I mean I've heard some relatives who aren't really that much into that stuff tell me like, you know the husband saw shadow people and then the wife was like didn't believe and then she saw it too. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's
0: something I've never
3: so, seen. And you asked me what what I think it is, I said, I don't know. I don't know what shadow people oh. are but it seems it's to be more and more prevalent. Weekend. Do you agree, sure, or is it just because I'm more aware of it? Do, I mean, where, do you think shadow people people have always had those experiences, or do you think it seems to be more prominent now? I mean, what's your take on it?
2: Okay, my take is on this whole thing and our whole conversation we've been having is that we're kind of waking up. It's like every, we've been asleep and we're coming to almost. Like I don't. They're saying the veil is thinning and all that. I think that we're actually being more receptive to what's going on all the time anyway. I think we've all had a block, and it's, and it's where actually the block is coming off, and we're giving uh, things the benefit of the doubt. We're opening our minds. And if you guys are already meditating, uh, you know, it's almost like uh, you're standing at a precipice, like what's going to happen next, and it's anticipation. And I think it's spiritual, it's uh, interdimensional, it's... You know, but a lot of people are coming out, which I'm happy about, and that's why we do the show is that we talk about everything we want to talk about and uh, we freely talk about stuff. And uh, I think that we need to support each other because when people uh, come to, you know, I was terribly traumatized. I mean, I have uh, been, you know, hanging on to trees as they're trying to yank me up into to wherever and uh, I've seen the neighbors look at me and say, we can't help you. And I'm out begging them for help as they're dragging me away. And uh, and it's been, uh, you know, it's just it's, it's the trauma has eased up a little bit for me, a little bit. But I just had another trauma, traumatic thing last week that I told Adrian oh. about, you know. They were still trying oh. to make the baby with me. And, and you got baby, mad at them. Oh, like, I got <laughs> yeah. really mad. It's yeah. a little late for that, and they've had enough already, you know, but there's, you know, I guess You must have some good DNA
3: there, Char, or something. I you know. know.
2: Why me? You know I'm sick. I'm not in shape. I'm just screwed up, but they seem to love me, so whatever.
3: You got some I good stuff. Know. Yeah. I got wow. some good
2: genes they want, so I don't know what they're doing with it, but, you know, I do know what they're doing with it, but I resent it. So, anyway. Yeah. So, at um, Larry, uh, do you have any last words or parting words you want to say hi to anybody or give us your word, no. word of wisdom?
1: No, I'm good. I'm ready for bed. I've been
2: here okay. 5 so, a.m. I can
1: feel it. Hey, he thanks for tired, calling, Larry, and so. sharing
3: your stuff, experience. Well, I appreciate
1: okay. you taking my call, and uh, it was a great show today.
2: Take care, cool. Larry. Nice to meet you. I'll talk you later, to you later, Larry. All right. Okay. Nice okay. On, Take care. Bye-bye. Hi. Right. So, an amazing friend there, and thank you, Larry, for calling in. We really appreciate it. and our show is just about coming to an end. He has to get up at 5. I started worrying about him. Yeah. And I know he was getting tired, and i got to get up at 5, too, but I don't, you know. Next time a we have a, per- a
3: perno, maybe around Halloween, I, maybe I'll give him a call again because he can relate to his story of how his wife was trying to contact him through the computer. She was in all that's sorts right. of stuff. I really,
2: I really felt sad about it, you know what I mean, because uh, it was
3: a, yeah, I'm a hard gonna...
2: thing to get over.
3: Oh, the, the manner of uh, yeah, it was very hard, um, very hard for him, and um, yeah, it was just, it was a tragedy. But it was interesting around that time, though. Boy, was there a lot of paranormal activity. So we knew it was her. So it's interesting wow. how um, people it can pass, get into that. They, they yeah, they they try to communicate with you, with us, those that have passed on, and um, I hope that when I pass on, I won't be so confused that I'll know where to go because. No. My grandfather was Run. surely confused. I mean, Dr. Pim Van Lama. I'm sure I've mentioned him before, and I'm not even know he, you know who he is. He's done you know extensive research on yeah. near death experiences and stuff like that. And right. according to his his book, um, Consciousness Beyond Life, it's a really good book. In some compelling cases. I suggest people read it. Why um, don't you
2: recommend it for the Paranormal Thicker Book Club?
3: Yes, you good. should. I'll, I'll I'll try to find yeah. the interview for you on on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, try to yeah. find it. It's called I Consciousness. Mean, yeah, so. Beyond Life: The Science of Near Death Experience, and he's a medical doctor, Pim Lama MD, and he's he's done the most um, extensive studies as far as you know um, experiments, if you will, as far as um, uh, as far as near death experience. And he he came up with some interesting data, like there are people who when they uh, you know, when there, a lot of times, you know, since it was a hospital setting, it would happen during, you know, an operation or whatever, and you would just simply ask him, yes. what, what happened. He wouldn't tell him why or anything, and then, but they sense that he was open, so they tell him, and he realized some of them that would be in the dark and they were terrified. They they wouldn't see the light and stuff.
0: Yeah, and so I know.
3: But see, this is the catch. But when they asked for help, all of a sudden the light appeared. So I guess for some people they need the lesson of asking for help to be humble or something.
4: That's how I right. interpreted. But
3: when they asked everything, for help, they, they got it. Some of them yeah, never asked for help, and so they good. were in the dark. But those that were in the dark, when they asked help, I, I need help. Boom, the light was there.
2: Everything is for a reason. That's what I know. So
3: we're if going to off for, a I, I hope I, I remember that when my time Adrian, comes.
2: Is, I know it's great. Adrian, tell us about your website and your essays and your blog and everything.
3: Sure, Uh, my website is ufophilosopher.com You can find my links to uh, other stuff that I've done I do writings, links to shows where I've done co-hosts I'm currently writing a paper on um, I'm writing a few papers at the same time But um, the challenges to ufology um, And also um, I'm writing about the nature of friendship. Given what we know about aliens, this is assuming aliens are mm. here and blah abduction is real, what kind of friendship will, will it be? It would seem like it's a, a straightforward sort of thing, but I, I guarantee the reader, when I do put it up, you'll find it interesting. The conclusion I reach... Is that they necessarily have to be deceptive, whether they are malevolent or benevolent from our perspective? And so, what's not—it's not just the conclusion that's interesting, but also the process of how I came to that. So, of course, I'm using um, philosophy, and um, I'm also writing a commentary on um, the Stan Romanek case because I think that it's an important case, but I also do not believe in it. So, I'm putting a, a commentary of why I think. Um, that that case has a lot of issues. It just does not, if it's, if there's a case, because we abductees, we need cases, um, to uh, yeah. the good cases to validate our experiences. That's why these important cases are important, like the Travis Walton case or the Allagash case or the Thomas Reed, because you have those cases that can stand up to scrutiny to those who are agnostic about the abduction phenomena. You know what I mean? Like, look, yeah, their stories yeah. are consistent. They pass lie detector tests. There's some empirical data, like in you know, Travis Walton, you know, he, there's radiation stuff, and then Thomas Reed, there's even radiation on certain objects. I mean, there's a lot of other corroborating evidence, while it might not be um, conclusive, but consistent and extremely compelling, and when taking it all together, simply cannot be dismissed. So yes, sir, my isn't. point is the Stan case should also if that's gonna be used as a benchmark and if so it's always, you know touted as the most important and investigated case, you know, up there with, with all these aforementioned cases and, you know, touted as even more so. So if that's gonna be that, it better stand up to that sort ha, have that sort of standard because and I argue that it doesn't. Exactly. And I don't want that case to represent me because no because I can't prove my case. A lot of us abductees can't prove our case. So we look to really good, credible cases to say, look, see, there is abduction. It does happen because look at these, these cases. So we need solid cases. And when, in my opinion, this Romana case just does not stand up to scrutiny. And I, I, want, it out of, I want it out of there because it's going to ruin the, 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 the abduction. That's, good. That's our best case. You know, and there's already a huge division uh, among the Bukkis, as, as I'm you know, on are
2: arguing. And so we all, it's
3: it's we all agree that
0: the Travis Walton case is good.
3: We all agree that that should be a case where everybody agrees. It's but there's it. such a um, severe division, and I think some of it's political, and some of it's just people want to believe what they want to believe because they like the guy or, or whatever. And we've got to get over that and, like, look, what does your intuition tell you? I I, like, I appeal. I will appeal in my essay to John Mack, because John Mack, besides the evidence that I will yeah. point out, Mark talks about when he was in Africa. Remember the movie Experiencers that John yeah, Mack Yeah, do said? I
2: remember the the African studies? You know where Yeah, and so when many he was there, he said the whole quali-
3: the things he says is the whole quality of how they talk is it as if oh, something yeah. that was real, as if they're telling the truth. Okay, yeah, so do you the same back picture, and put your. Yeah or things to the side. When I watch Stan Romanek, I don't get that feeling. I do get that feeling when I watch no. the other stuff. So putting it all to, together, I have a problem. So I, I'm putting, that's one of the papers I'm putting up. And I realize it's kind of controversial and it's going to alienate me, but I'm not here to be popular among in crowd and to get into the clicks. Being an experiencer, I, I want to get to the heart of the matter and I want the credible people to pick the agnostics who we're trying to reach to. Because people say, well, we're not, we, we don't care. We're just talking about themselves. Then why are we doing these talks? Why, why are we releasing books to everybody? Because we are trying to do an outreach. We are trying to, right, wake, right,
2: right.
3: We are trying to wake people up. So let's do it with, with the good cases. Because I can't prove my case. A lot of us can't prove our case. But when, so when we see a case that it's like, good, this gives credence to the abduction phenomenon, let's propagate that. I am not going to propagate the, the Romana case because... I can talk for an hour, as you know about it. There's just too many problems. And so I think it's Very my duty easy. to put that, that up. So I've got a rough draft. If, even though I've been working on those other essays longer, that one might be coming up quicker because um, in certain ways it's an easier essay because I'm just writing it as a common commentary, whereas the other ones are heavy, more heavy-duty philosophy, as interesting as it will yeah. be. It, it, I think you'll find there. So that's what's going on. I have the at UFO Philosopher Twitter and so um, Also my website Is a good resource For anybody who's I have links For suggested readings And whether Abduction or UFOs And some links So those who are curious Who don't know anything About ufology So it's, right. I, I try to make it like Sort of like an education hub So you can kind of self-educate yourself and get, get started as it were so that, that's the whole reason of my website thanks for letting me have my experience Shar. I really time. appreciate
0: that's it
3: awesome. your show that's is wonderful website. I just want people to know Shar, okay. Char is giving me a, a lot of opportunity and please feel free I'm talking from experience she doesn't care if you're famous or not you have an interesting story to tell shoot her off an email get a hold of her yes. she will read it and she will consider you I, I guarantee it because for the wonderful show, and my heart may be heard. Yes, and thank you so much for having me on and, and letting me be. You're welcome. Be
2: thank you so Co host on shows that I like.
3: I really appreciate it.
2: God bless you. Take care, and I'll you. See too, you, sure uh, I'll, I'm
3: gonna okay, I'm take gonna take hang up and let you make your um, announcements and okay. stuff. Okay,
2: a little more. Okay, take care. Yeah. Bye bye. Okay, take care. Okay, bye bye. So everybody, uh, just a wonderful and awesome show. I really appreciate all that tuned in all that stuff in there with us in chat and uh, the people that called in with their personal stories I love you so much and God bless you and thank you again Adrian Rudnick for your superb co-hosting and uh, please go to his site philosopher beautifulphilosopher.com and uh, he's awesome and a great thinker and I want to thank our speaker again tonight Bill Bean he's going to come back with a two hour episode fairly soon and uh, hopefully sometime in October and uh and give us the, all the details of uh, what's going on with him. So again, the Bureau International is having, it's September 20th, a speaker, Grant Cameron, who's also been on a show. And he has so much information to share, and he's on the cutting edge of new ideas and futuristic research. And it's at 6.30 p.m. The doors are open, 7 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. at the Veterans Memorial Complex, 4117. Overland Avenue, Culver City, California, nine zero two three zero next to Sony Studio. Get more information at www. And that's fifteen bucks. It's only fifteen bucks in the store. Now next week, unbelievable, is my guest Martha Hazard Sector. She has authored the book The Paranormal Profiler, and she has been involved in investigating paranormal activity since nineteen ninety nine. And she has retired from law enforcement, where she was an assistant chief police. And she's just an awesome negotiator and profiler. And she's using these abilities to profile uh, paranormal activities and things like that. So once again, I want to thank you so much for listening to our show. And, and I just appreciate you so much. I really do. And uh, I want to God bless you and, and uh, wish you well for the week ahead. And I'll see you next Friday. Same time Every Friday 6pm Anyway Good night everybody And I I, You mean the world to me And Please follow the link To contact me And you can leave a message If you'd like to be part of our show Or for general help and assistance I want to thank all our guests in chat Everybody that called in And our listeners And our great speaker Bill Bean I wish him A lot of uh, Good prayers For the world He's trying to uh, Lower the pain of this world and uh, help people in the next. And this show is archived. So you may listen to it again. And remember to tell your friends. Paranormal Sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And please recommend us to your friends. God bless everybody again. And in closing, take care. See you next week. Bye-bye.